There's big news earlier this week or this past week when half a million people signed up for Getter. They they started just leaving Twitter in droves. A lot of people said that it was Joe Rogan who led the charge. Some news articles said that Joe Rogan joined Getter after Dr. Robert Malone was banned and Marjorie Taylor Greene was banned. I don't know if it's one or the other. I certainly think both instances played a big role in this. And, uh, well, we got a lot to talk about around censorship, around that big story, and around a bunch of other stories. There's a bunch of crazy stuff going on in the world, as per, as per usual. We've got a Manhattan DA saying he's not going to seek jail time unless someone's committing a violent offense, and not even any part, like, violent offense. Basically, people are now asking, so... According to this DA, kidnappers, child abduction, no jail time. That's how insane things are getting in politics in this country. So we'll talk about that. We got Emmanuel Macron questioning the citizenship of the unvaxxed. And we are being joined by Marjorie Taylor Greene. Hi. So happy to be here. Absolutely. Do you want to introduce yourself for those who might not uh, know who you are? Well, if you don't know me, I'm I'm not sure what you've been doing because (laughs) the media has been attacking me now for about a year. You know, we're here at the anniversary. Um, My name is Marjorie Taylor Green. I am from Georgia. I represent Georgia's 14th district. Uh, Very proudly, very thankful for uh, everyone at home. And um, I guess what can I say? I'm uh, married, been married for 26 years. I've got three awesome kids. They're all grown up. 24, 22, and 18 years old. And uh, my background is commercial construction. And um, then I decided to run for Congress because I don't like what's happening uh, in Washington, D.C. Well, it is an honor and a privilege to have you here discussing everything that's going on uh, today and giving your insight onto the inner workings of some of the stuff you were telling us before the show, which we're going to get into, would, would make the average American's jaw drop. Like how how the whole system works? Yes. Well, that's been my experience this entire past year. Uh, I'd, I'd never been involved in politics before. Um, wasn't elected at the state level. I, I really had no interest in it. I was just busy living my life. I'd, I had a great life before I decided to run for Congress. <laughs> and um, so actually, for me... Becoming a member of Congress, you got to remember January 3rd, I, I swore in. That's when that's when we started. And then things hit the fan quickly. Uh, January 3rd, I swore in and we passed rules for the 117th Congress. This is something that people don't know happens. Uh, Congress votes on rules for two years that the, the entire session. And um, there were crazy rules in there. Like the part of the rules, of course, I voted no against them, was they completely got rid of uh, gender uh, and, and pronouns. And so oh, wow. I was like, Wait, that was Pelosi, right? Yeah. Let, let, let's get into all this stuff. Yeah, we will. Yeah. People are going to. But there's other <laughs> stuff you were mentioning, too. Yeah. We, we got Luke here. I definitely believe this is going to be a somewhat interesting conversation, to say the least. How you doing? My name is Luke Radowski of We Are Change the Org, riding shotgun here. And uh, I, I think the shirt I'm wearing is also very appropriate for uh, today's guest, which says, if you trust the government, you don't know history. And if you want this shirt, you could get it on the bestpoliticalshirts.com because you do. I'm here. I'm super excited about this conversation. Conversation. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. I, get, I came in hot to this conversation, <laughs> asking questions. Seems like, wait, that's what the show's about. Slow yeah. down. <laughs> I'm happy you're here, Marjorie. This is gonna be great. Thank you. Uh, I am also yeah, super stoked to be here. I think that tonight's conversation is gonna be awesome. Marjorie Taylor Greene's people reached out to me because they wanted to bring her onto the show, and we're gonna talk about this ridiculous censorship that's been happening to her. And I'm stoked. So let's go. Yeah, and that that I want to talk about too. That we, we've we've talked to other politicians, people active and and, and running. And I'll tell you our experiences with them later on. Before we get started, though, head over to TimCast.com. Become a member. 
helps support our work. And as a member, you'll get access to exclusive members only segments of the Timcast IRL podcast. We are going to have around 11 p.m. We will upload a members only segment, the uncensored, unfiltered conversation with Marjorie Taylor Greene, because as you know, we try our best, but YouTube absolutely has insane rules. And as we're getting into the 2022 cycle, you know, they're going to be ban happy. So we'll do our best, but we will have that uh, that conversation up on the website around 11 or so p.m. And don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. And I'll just briefly mention, you might notice my, my voice a little hoarse this morning when I woke up. I was I, I decided to take off the, uh, my normal morning show because I'd rather be doing this show and mm. I didn't want to strain mm-hmm. myself. So I'm a little I'm a little rough, but uh, let's just get into the news. So uh, we're hanging out with Marjorie Taylor Greene. You recently got permanently banned from Twitter. I did. It led to it contributed largely uh, to people jumping over to Getter, which is another Twitter platform. Now, uh, it's a Twitter like platform, microblogging site. Right. Some, some people have concerns that Getter is going to have censorship as well because they have similar rules. But uh, aside from you, it was also Dr. Robert Malone, a, a mm-hmm. scientist and a dissenting voice in the whole, you know, COVID uh, vaccine debate. Joe Rogan then joins. It becomes his big story. Half a million people sign up. So I, I, I want to get a better understanding of this. Why do you know why you got banned from Twitter? Well, we'll, we'll go with the story. Okay, so here's what happened. Um, you know, I'm an elected member of Congress, which means the people elected me for my district. Over 700,000 people are in my district. And I'm there to represent their voice, their values, and, and what they want um, out of their representative uh, in Congress. And Twitter, being a private company, um, I don't know why they have decided that they can be the judge of information and misinformation. But that is, that's who they have become. I mean, that's what we see on most, uh, social media platforms, YouTube also, um, Facebook, many of them. And, and over time, over the past years, we've seen conservatives be kicked off, right? This has been a major issue and it's, it's an extremely important issue for many Americans. So on Twitter, um, this was my personal account. It's, it's my campaign account. This is what I use to raise money. This is what I, I used, uh, part of my reelection. So it's very important for me. I have two Twitter pages. One of them is my congressional page. That's for my congressional office. It's an official site. And then I have this other one that is the one that I, I just got permanently banned on. So it's, it, I'm not really sure what happened, but I want to go into it. Um, I had posted on January 1st a really long Twitter thread. Uh, it was 20, th- 20 tweets, I believe. And it was all about, I, I started it, it's 2022. And I, I framed it as, let's talk about before COVID and after COVID. And I said, it's like we have a new era that we've moved into. And so each tweet, I went through things saying before COVID, and I would give like what our reality was before COVID. Like, um, you know, people didn't go to the doctor unless they were sick. I mean, that was what we used to do. Um, as a mom, I've raised kids. I didn't take my kids to the doctor to get a strep test unless they really had symptoms like a fever, sore throat, and things like that. So I was saying before COVID, this is how we lived. And then after COVID, now we, we get tested all the time for for COVID. And so I went through every tweet had that. But involved in each of these tweets, I put um, information that I, that I had found and researched, like um, information off of VAERS, which is uh, cdc.gov, 
controls that. That's the, the, it's a site where people can, it's self-reporting. Um, they can report if they've had a vaccine injury, any kind of vaccine, not just COVID, any kind of vaccine or even a death. Uh, family members, uh, or a doctor can report a death from any kind of vaccine. So I had talked about the VAERS system and, uh, which is bothersome to me. There's no investigation into the deaths that have been reported on VAERS. And as a member of Congress, I think it's extremely important. Um, so I had this long tweet thread, but then the next day I tweeted a few more things. Um, I had tweet, I had retweeted, uh, someone's tweet about from a person that was celebrating and memorializing the terrorist Soleimani that was, that was killed, uh, when President Trump was our president. Um, this was a terrible terrorist that had, you know, attributed and caused the death of military members and the loss of limbs, um, when they were over there. And it's awful. And this person was just celebrating him and his life and angry at President Trump. That's on Twitter. A lot of it. Oh, yeah. And I had retweeted that condemnation of how can this guy be on Twitter? Then I had seen a Fox News interview of one of my colleagues, one of my Republican colleagues, Dan Crenshaw. And as a member of Congress, we debate policy, right? We should debate policy. I, I would love to debate policy with all of my colleagues and he was on a in an interview and he was talking about FEMA and he was saying President Joe Biden wants to do a lot of testing. And he was saying we should use FEMA to set up and do this covid testing. And then he was also saying we should use FEMA to go into the hospitals to help with the overcrowding. Um, and, and that's that was what he was saying we should do. But here's the thing. I completely disagree with him. And I know for a fact that Republicans and conservatives, and I would even argue many Americans would be against the use of FEMA to just continue test and test and test for COVID um, uh, because we should be more concerned about how to treat COVID. These are just my opinions, not that I'm giving medical advice, but just my opinions. And so I had tweeted at Dan Crenshaw and I had said, um, no, we don't need to use FEMA to do more COVID testing for sneezes, coughs, and runny noses. And I said, and we don't need to send FEMA into hospitals. We need to rehire the unvaccinated healthcare workers that were fired. And they are in some places. Some places, yeah. thank God, because these people worked on the front lines and they, they save people's lives and they have natural immunity. That's my opinion. I think it's great. And they need to be able to continue their careers and, and support their families. So that the the Dan Crenshaw tweet was the last one you put out, and then they just they just. I had off. one more. I I had to pick at AOC a little bit because oh, okay. you know she was down in Miami enjoying <laughs> no, free Florida no and martinis, and I was like, "Ooh, that's a cup full of hypocrisy." Oh yeah, she's uh, she's tweeted before that Texas removing the mask mandate was going to you know cause suffering. I I I, I don't want to. I don't have the exact quote. I, I read it the other day, paraphrasing. She said it was a bad thing, basically. Mm. She said that Ron DeSantis could use some tips from the governor of New York. Wow. But she's going to Florida. Of course. Partying with no mask on. The thing is, if she really believes in mask mandates, she could choose to wear one. Well, let me go, tell you something. Party, yeah, right? and she doesn't always wear one. And, and but not, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, <laughs> right, right. I don't want to derail. I mean, I see her at work, so. But I'm, I'm curious. Uh, look, it's, it's 2022. Elections are coming up and, we saw what Twitter did with Hunter Biden's laptop story. Right. For those that aren't familiar, a huge breaking story about Hunter Biden, the son of the president, uh, and and uh, just malfeasance. We'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. The story gets suppressed on Facebook and Twitter, and there are polls showing that if people had known about the corruption, 
then a decent amount of people would not have voted for Joe Biden. That gets suppressed. I'm wondering if your suspension is just following it's some kind of political tactic. It's political. And here I want to tell you why. So the reason why I bring up Dan Crenshaw, the tweet, is because I told him this. You're not conservative. You're hurting our brand because conservatives don't promote the use of FEMA for testing and and unvaccinated healthcare workers being fired. We don't want that. And it was it was within an hour after that tweet that I got uh, permanently banned from Twitter. Now, here's something interesting. Everybody always talks about politics and money, right? So they were saying that I was being kicked off for COVID misinformation. But, um, you know, I started wondering, I'm like, why is some people's political speech accepted and and promoted on Twitter, whereas other people's political speech is not accepted and, as a matter of fact, is kicked off? And I think that's an issue. So I started looking at who's on the board at Twitter. And most of them are Democrats and most of them donate to Democrat um, politicians. But there's also someone that's relatively new to Twitter. His name is Paul Singer, and he's a he's a mega donor for Republicans. Um, and so I had looked into some information on him, and I was like, "Wow, does he donate to Dan Crenshaw?" Turn out he he does donate to Dan Crenshaw. As a matter of fact, he donates a lot of money um, to Dan Crenshaw. I, I would argue that he helped him get elected by the amount of money that he donated to him. He also donated to a PAC that has benefited Dan Crenshaw. Um, it was money spent on his his election. And so I think it was called the American Patriot PAC. Um, it supports a lot of veterans running for Congress. And it that PAC had spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on his behalf. I, I think I do have it here, unless I'm wrong. This is OpenSecrets.org. It says uh, Singer Paul, New York, mm-hmm. $2,700 to Dan Crenshaw. Right. And then, and that's just a single contribution. I don't know if, if, if that's usually a max contribution. I think the max yeah. contribution's gone up now to twenty nine hundred per candidate. But you know, this is this is commonplace. So he's a mega donor. But I want you to think about this. This is a guy that came on to Twitter, and it's very interestingly, he was so important. He was able to get Jack Dorsey removed from his own company. Wow, that's who Paul Singer is wow. of Elliott Management, and him coming on to Twitter was. Uh, he he bought a lot of the shares. He became a major shareholder. And then him coming on board, he was able to kick Jack Dorsey out of his own company. I think that's significant. And then this is a guy that donates a lot of money to politicians. And so, and he's not a fan of mine. And he's also not a fan of he's, former President Donald Trump. And he's J. not Trump. giving you any money? Oh, no. No. No, he wouldn't give me money because I don't say and do the types of things he supports. <laughs> Interesting. So Interesting. I can't prove this. This is just something I'm talking about because I think these are the type of things that do play a, a role behind the scenes. And I think they're important. I, I really do. And I'm saying that um, not only as a member of Congress, um, I'm saying that as an American also. And I think that when Twitter has overgrown uh, its position, and I, I really believe it has because Twitter is controlling political speech, absolutely controlling political speech, um, not just for American citizens, but for members of Congress. And I would say that's that's actually an attack. That is actually a political attack against my brand of politics. Um, I know Paul Singer hates President Trump. Mm-hmm. He was a big fan of Marco Rubio. And yeah. that is that's an open open known thing. So they, what, what I'm not I, really sure, but I I don't think that it was just COVID misinformation. No, I, I I think it's political, and I think some of it is it's not, it's not just Twitter; it's YouTube as well. There's there's stuff that we can't talk about on YouTube. YouTube mm-hmm. would shut the stream down in two seconds, of course, and that's wrong. So we're we're, we're not having real 
real political discourse in this country when the the common spaces that we use Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, etc are in the control of one political, you know, one political faction. That's right. And they just say, "Well, you broke the rules to private platform. I can do what I want." My it, it's crazy to me because I grew up liberal and we were always complaining about big corporations suppressing the commons and and and, and hurting the little guy in the working class. Yeah. And you know now, what? I feel the same way. Now I'm watching it happen. Yes. And worse, it's affecting politics like uh, you are a sitting member of Congress and your voice, people need to hear it. So they know what you're saying when you were there voting on things. And mm-hmm. Twitter's like, no, we don't think that's important. Well, I'll tell you what, I have a term for it. I'm, I'm sorry, real quick. Yeah. It's not that Twitter, Twitter is not sitting there saying we don't think it's important. They're saying it is important and we better not let people hear it. Yes, no, exactly. So I have a term for what you're talking about. I call it corporate communism. And corporate communism is something I just made up because it made sense to me. It's these large corporations controlling, and and usually they're affiliated with the government. So take, for example, you've got a mega donor, a Republican mega donor on Twitter that hates me and likes other types of Republicans that are different than me. And so wouldn't he play a part in getting me kicked off? Let's get rid of her. We got rid of President Trump. They're hurting the type of Republican brand that we want. I I think this is really scary. And here's something that's great. Here's what I know about all Americans. When you sit down and talk to each other, we all care about the same thing. We do. Most of us care about we can find so much in common together by being able to have these discussions on these platforms. Then we can really find apart from one another. And that's why I think censorship is so wrong. Well, I think the biggest problem with it is we've, we've gone through a bunch of different uh, forms of data showing people who are on the left in America, whatever that means, like the general term, only get their news from left-wing sources. And people who are centrist or right-wing get their news from a mixture of sources. Mm-hmm. So when you have people on the left and the only thing they've ever heard about you comes from the New York Times or the Atlantic or yeah. something, they think the worst, craziest oh, things imaginable. Oh, they think crazy things. And if you censor those, if they censor you, well, then how are people actually going to hear what you think? They you know? can't. And so there's this view of you, especially if like you pull up your Wikipedia page, that's oh, just, gosh. it's insane. I want you to know I have kept that there as a badge of honor. That's awesome. Because <laughs> Wikipedia is just, it's whatever anybody types on there. And I think people should know that about Wikipedia. It's not truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never tried to change it. It's, it's what other people have gone and written about me. Nothing that I've ever written about myself or, or even that I've cared to make sure is, is factual. And I've left it there for a reason because I want to be able to prove to people that, look, Wikipedia is someone else's words. It's just like a fake news article written about me or someone else. And that's the craziest thing to me is how, well, I've, I've talked to James O'Keefe. Wikipedia in these articles, it says from Wikipedia. It doesn't say from random users. Mm-hmm. Like th- th- these, these yeah. statements may be an aggregate of different people putting it together. Mm-hmm. Wikipedia puts their name on it. So I think they should be held liable for defamation. And I liable. totally agree with you. I agree with you 100%. And here's the thing about Wikipedia is let's say that I wanted to fight it. I could, I could have one of my staff go on there every single day and fix it and, and correct the misinformation. Someone else can go on there and change it again. Yeah. So yeah, with Wikipedia putting their name on it, they are the ones liable for the lies and slander, uh, liable and slander about, about people. So let's take this opportunity as, uh, uh, you know, all of us here on the show, we have dealt with the issues of censorship, um, um, de-ranking. It's, mm. it's not just that they'll ban you. It's that you'll get demonetized. They will make it harder for people to find your content. And we, we have an opportunity now to, to have discussion with a sitting member of Congress who right. has also experienced this. 
what what can be done right i mean i don't know if you have the power in congress to make something happen or if there's a, a legal pathway towards ensuring people have access to different platforms many on the left have have jokingly you know or I, not even necessarily jokingly but said haha you want to nationalize private businesses or whatever some people on the right say why should the government intervene in a private corporation that wants to make its own decisions my view has always been more you know i guess american liberal if a big corporation takes over a common space, then there's got to be some regulation. But I'm wondering, you know, what could we do and, and what can you do? What can politicians do? Just do we have solutions to this? I think that I think you're bringing up a great uh, a great topic and it needs to be discussed. And as a member of Congress, I definitely want to hear what you've been through um, trying to run a business on social media. All of you try to do it. This is where you earn your income and it's valuable uh, not only for you, but for the people that that sign up and and are are your members yep. and and want to hear what you have to say in the content, and they want to contribute by their comments. I think it's so important. Here's here's what I think. I I'm a small government person, so I and I'm a business owner. I've been a business owner all my adult life. I grew up in a small business. My family had a commercial construction company. I bought that business from my parents uh, when I got out of college, and so that my parents could retire. And my husband and I have run it together for over 20 years. So as a business owner, I know what it's like to deal with government regulations. Believe me, I don't think it's fun um, now. But we're talking about something different when it comes to this platform. When you are censored uh, and when your ability to earn, earn an income uh, on these platforms is taken away from you, that that is very troublesome. You need to be defended and you should be defended, uh, of course, by the government if no one else is willing to do it. I was thinking about something. You know, a lot of people, a lot of these Democrat voter and activist types say it's a private company. They can do what they want, right? Well, well that's the excuse. Sure. Uh, um, uh, my old landlord is a private business owner. It's his building. He can do what he wants, right? No. In fact, there's laws that's preventing right. eviction. Yep. And so I was thinking about that. I was, if we're entering this this new metaverse world that Mark Zuckerberg mm-hmm. wants, and they expect us to earn a living remotely, earn a living online, then there should be regulations very similar to eviction laws. And, and that's in my opinion. And I've never been a conservative like I've always been sort of on the smaller government side, but kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. I got no problem with regulating massive multinational billion dollar corporations with Saudi investment that want to mm-hmm. take away my ability to speak. You know, so I, I look at uh, Twitter. There should be eviction laws. If you want to remove from some, someone from the platform. Well, look, if if you're a building owner and one of your tenants commits a very serious crime, yeah, mm-hmm. the police are going to take them out of that building and you don't got to worry about it. Of course. But if you want to evict them because you're complaining about, uh, he was saying nasty things to other neighbors, mm-hmm. we'll go to court. Yeah, because renters have rights. So here's something interesting as a, a political figure. Um, uh, when I was on Twitter, I was sued. Yeah, so I don't know if a lot of people know about this. I was sued by a pack called My, uh, Midas Touch. And I was sued because we we blocked them. Mm. We blocked them because they were being nasty to me. And this was in the very beginning when I first got there. I think it was in January. I didn't know that I couldn't block people. People were saying terrible things about me. People would uh, threaten my family, threaten my children, threaten my life, post porn, all kinds of gross things. Why can't I block that? I mean, I'm a woman. I it's I don't want to have my life threatened or my children's life threatened. Was that your personal account? That's on the one that got banned. No, it's also it was my campaign account. Oh, too. I see, I see. But because I'm a public figure, I I I was open for lawsuits. It ha- it's happened to AOC. 
Um, you know, she had to deal with the same thing. Uh, President Trump was sued. Uh, I think there was a sheriff in California was sued. It's, it's happened to quite a few people. But when you become a public figure, you, you become in this new land of, uh, you're not allowed to have a lot of rights anymore. Well, I, th- I think specifically if you're, um, a public official. Public, yes, public yeah. official, yes, elected. So yeah. that became an issue. Um, but then, you know, going back to what you're talking about, yes, there should be real, they would say the user agreement. That's what they would say is, is what binds everyone on Twitter and other social media platforms. But in, in reality, it, I, I think there needs to be more than that. And, and honestly, when it comes to censoring political speech, um, you can't sit here and, and, and you know how they'll, uh, put people in Twitter jail and they'll cite German law. Yeah. I'm funny. sorry. <laughs> oh yeah. I had that. I don't have to too. obey German law. Do, I'm an well, American. To, to be fair, that, uh, Twitter won't ban you in the United States for German law. They're required to inform you of German law. Some of this I actually think is a courtesy and is a good thing. People will get a notification saying, you know, you've been found in violation of Pakistani law. And then I see a lot of people say, why is Twitter telling me this? And I'm mm-hmm. like, I, I would, I would prefer to know that because then I won't fly there because, you know, okay, you broke yeah, their that law. could be true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but I will, I, I will uh, segue into this bit. Um, in tr- and going back to what we were saying about, you know, uh, where I was asking possible solutions. Possible solutions. Dan, didn't Dan, Dan Crenshaw said he had a potential solution to this. And he was criticizing you. He was. He yeah. so he was attacking me really because he was very upset with me. Um, you see, there's a there's a backstory. Um, we kind of don't get along very well in Congress, and and I don't I don't have any problems with that. I didn't I didn't run for Congress to become friends with people. I'm per- perfectly happy with all my friends and family I have back home. I ran for Congress because I felt like I couldn't trust my government, and I felt like our government is failing the American people. Luke's got a shirt for that. Yes, uh, I was going to uh, also ask wait you. Wait, where do people buy that shirt? Thebestpoliticalshirts.com. Thank it you. Says, but it, it says if you trust the government, you don't know history. Yeah, that's a very Ooh, important lesson that, that of course a, a lot of people need I, to realize. I, I don't want to interrupt you, but Thank I just want yeah. I, I just wanted to make sure we get we, we, Dan Crenshaw said he had a bill that would stop the censorship or something like that. Absolutely. So there's a lot of bills. There's tons of bills, Republican and Democrat bills. Um, I I want to look at all the options before I put my name on them. I'm one of those people that I'm not just going to go, oh, oh, look, govern, um, big tech censorship bill. Boom. Here's my name. I'm not going to do that. I, I'm used to uh, reading contracts in detail before I sign them. That's what I did in business. So this is the same way I look at bills. We should read them in detail as members of Congress, not rely on our staff, read them, and then we put our name on them. Or or if we're voting for them, we really should know what they have to say. Have oh, you, it should be federally mandated. It should be a federal offense for someone to vote on something they didn't read. I totally Sw- agree. I totally agree. That's something I've worked on this year. I'd love to tell you Ooh, about yeah. it. Well, the big tech lobby is also very big. Do you think anything is possible when they're having so much money invested into DC? And did you personally have have anyone come to you from big tech trying to lobby you in efforts? And what else can you say about this kind of general topic? I think that's a great question. So uh, for everybody watching, if you don't know, um, I have been the most attacked member of Congress probably in history. I got kicked off of all of my committees on February 4th of this past year. So being a committee-less uh, freshman member of Congress, the lobbyists haven't been too interested in me, and that's okay because 
Um, I don't take their money anyways. Yeah, but the big but the big tech lobby is very big. They do, and yeah. they really want to talk to members of Congress because we make laws, and we also um, have oversight. We have oversight committee. We we investigate issues. We question. I mean, you've seen people have seen Mark Zuckerberg there. They've they've seen Jack Dorsey there. Question and question on these issues. So yes, they pay a lot of money to lobbying firms because they want. So it's like sales. Okay, so let's go let's go to the real world. So in sales, if you're in corporate sales or you're selling uh, widgets for whatever your business are, you want to go in and you want to talk to people about, here's what I'm selling. Here's my product. You know, you're going to love it. This is what these big companies do. They hire lobbyists. So the lobbies go in, talk to the members of Congress, talk to the senators and go, hey, listen, here's our, here's what our company is about. These are the things that, that really help our customers. This is what really helps us to continue to be able to do business. And it's a whole friendship thing. Yeah. Um, but they pay money for people to go do that. But they invest a lot of money. And just really qu- quickly, with how much in- influence and control they have, do you think any kind of action against them is possible in Congress? I want to tell you, I think they have a massive amount of control, and it's dangerous. Yeah. Look, here's for me, I'm one of the top fundraisers uh, out of Republicans, which is incredible because I don't have committees. Um, I've been attacked and lied about constantly. The mainstream media has created a monster that they want everyone to think I am, and that's what they constantly talk about. But here, here's what happens. So because of that, my only donations are small-dollar donations. I, I'm not kidding you. It's the regular working man and woman will send me $20, and I'm like, these are the best people on the planet. God bless them. I don't get the big checks. I don't get the lobbyists. I don't get that stuff. So you want to know what I think about that? It is the most freeing thing in the world because I'm supported by average Americans. Now, most members of Congress don't get those small dollar contributions like I do. I've raised a lot of money. I think in the past year, I've raised something like $7 million. I don't know. It's a lot of money for a member of Congress. In the first quarter of 2021, you raised $3 million. Even Vox called it incredible fundraising, though they used that as a smear against you and the Republicans. Of course. It was a lot of money. Yes, they were bad Republicans, but it's a lot of money. But that's from regular Americans. I didn't get that from lobbyists. Um, but here's most, but to understand this, most members of Congress rely on those big checks from lobbyists or yeah. PACs or big donors, and they spend time calling and calling and calling, asking for their support, talking to them, because it's important. You have to have money. It's like a yeah. business to run a campaign. So is any action possible? And if it was, what action would you take as a member of Congress? If you could pass a law right now regulating this Internet landscape, what kind of provisions would you put forward? So, I again, I'm a small government person. So I'm one of those people that's going to say, like, hey, like if we go eat and we're, we're at this restaurant and we, say me and you eat there every Wednesday night. And I always order the cheeseburger and you order like the chili dog, but that'd probably upset your stomach. So I'd be like, dude, don't order that. But <laughs> I'll do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> he loves his chili you dog. know me too well. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we go there every Wednesday night, but every single time we're disappointed because the service really sucks. They treat us bad. The, the food is terrible. And we, and then by the end of the meal, we're talking about like, why do we keep coming here? That is what it's like on Twitter. That is what it's like on these social media platforms that treat us terrible and and don't allow us to really have free speech like we're having right now, even though we're still limiting what we could say. But here's what I think. What if we said, hey, next Wednesday night, let's go try this restaurant across the street. It's new. It's different. I mean, who knows? I heard they have cheeseburgers and chili 
<laughs> chili hot dogs. So, like, what if we go over there? See, I'm one of those people, and this is why I love new ideas and new pl- – this is why I went to get her. Well, yeah. that, that, I went to get her, and I was like, let's go try this out. To correct you, it's chili cheese dogs. Oh, and, sorry, and, chili oh, cheese so this, dogs. But, but this would be a cultural solution, something that, I mean, we've all advocated uh, Trump should have done. When, when, when yeah. he was president, he should have just signed up for – he should have signed up for Gab. I think he should have he should have put his posts on Gab. That would have sent a huge message to the mainstream media I that was agree sneering with you. him. He didn't do it. No, so he didn't. I, I, I can respect. But let's also say maybe it had to do with the staff because I can tell you now, people think that people like President Trump or people like me or, or someone else that people like in, in politics, they think that we have all day long and we control all of it. We don't. I mean, we can't. Who can do everything I, th- in one this, day? This, this is why when I asked about censorship, I, I, you know, I said, can you even do anything? Right? Because I, I, I kind of I'm going to tell you no, because I'm going to be really honest. Right. Here, I'm going to tell you something. I got really angry because I got disappointed in Republicans. That's why I ran for Congress. I was like, Republicans didn't do anything they told me they were going to do on the campaign trail. They very much disappointed me. And when I saw Republicans fail, when we had a Republican president in the White House, Republican-controlled uh, House of Representatives and a Republican controlled Senate that was from in 27 and 2018 and they didn't repeal um, Obamacare I'm sorry if you support that they didn't repeal it but that took my family's health insurance premiums from $800 a month to over $2,400 a month I was really upset that the Republicans who said they were going to do something about it did nothing about it and then I cared about border security and they didn't build the wall they didn't even fund it and I was like wait a minute you guys all ran for Congress on this stuff and I think there's a lot we need to do about immigration. And I don't always agree with all the things that have been thrown out there, but they didn't do anything. And I'm very pro-life. I'm, I'm, I think abortion is terrible. I, I can't even, as a mom, I, it's so sad to me that women are sold a lie that they, that they have to have an abortion in order to have a professional career or to, to have value in any way. I think motherhood's the greatest way to have value, but Republicans did nothing. So my point is this, going back to censorship. No, I don't trust Congress to fix it. I don't. I, I, that's why I'm telling you, I believe in the American people. I believe in starting new companies. I believe in starting new platforms. And I believe the people can solve the problem because we still have the freedom and the ability to do it. The, the challenge is, with Parler and Gab, really good examples. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gab was smeared relentlessly, relentlessly by the press. Then they had their infrastructure attacked by Silicon Valley. Right. Parler was the exact same thing. They lied about them. And then they, the, these big tech companies used the fake news as, as a pretext to go after the infrastructure. Right. You want to so, know why? Why is that? Their competition. But right. So, so They'll how, put Twitter and Facebook out of business. The, this big tech lobby... And they're me- the media collusion, and they're all working to support the Democratic establishment, and to a certain extent, the Republican establishment, too. Of not course. Republican outsiders. Oh, yeah. How can a regular person start up a company? And I'll give a shout-out to Gab, right? Andrew Torba, yeah. the founder Gab of Gab. Gab is great. I'm on Gab. They're building their own infrastructure. God and bless every- them. But but it's crazy that that's what you have to do, because all of these companies work together to like, – they collude. It's co- it's corporate communism. I'm going to go back to it over and over. Let me Let me explain. I'm a small business owner. That's what I've always been. It is really hard to compete and bid on projects against big companies because they have everything set up. So that that was hard for us for a long time. And then we had to work. We had to work harder than anyone to build our company to a place where we were like, yeah, we're landing these contracts over and over because we built a good reputation. We built the um, relationships and we're able to do it. This is what this is what Gab and Getter and and Telegram and these other companies 
are up against. This is what uh, Rumble is up against. They're the little guy that has just gotten in the pond and these giant fish want to devour them. And they're so evil. Uh, here's what's really bad. They collude together. This is why I call it corporate communism. I know it's a weird idea and people aren't used to it. But communism is control. It's control through government and big corporations together and they and they become this really small elite at the top and everyone else is these little fish down at the bottom that can never rise to the level because the media what did they do they totally trashed uh parlor they totally trashed gab and and tore them down and i think they said there was like oh it's platform for white supremacist or something like that um i i i i agree with you a, a lot I think it's a, cult, a cultural uh, it's, it's a cultural change that needs to happen. I think if Trump was just in the middle of his you know uh, first term said I'm going to go on Gab or Mines or something, mm-hmm. then it would have forced the media to do it. That would have just put a stake right through the heart of, of these vampiric entities. He didn't do it, and so uh, perhaps it's just going to be we have to build up confidence in, in these other platforms ourselves, no matter no matter how hard it's going to be. The problem is if you have a platform, it can ban you at any time. That's always going to be the case. And I agree with you. I'm not big government, and for the government to say you can't seems fascist. So I like that they're allowed to do whatever they want. But I think I have an idea that we can toss around Congress is okay. that if we can force free software code for <laughs> social networks that are super large, basically functioning as part of the commons, so that other people have access to the software code and can start their own uh, website with that, basically the same technology is awesome with like the analytics and the messaging and all that, and build their own terms of service on their version. Hmm. You can have see, the network communist. <laughs> yeah, we, I was we, about to see, say. see, I was yeah. going to say, you guys believe in limited government. I believe in no government, but but we also have to admit the fact that the government was involved in building up big tech, whether it's Q Intel, whether it's helping them build the that infrastructure, whether it's Google Maps. I say, for me personally, there is action to take. Give it all back. You took it. You took all the tax incentives. You took all the infrastructure. You were able to make leaps and bounds because of your relationship with government. It ends now, and I think if we just cut off government from the private sector. Uh, I think that would be the most important thing that we could go- we could do because there is collusion. There are a lot of lobbyists, and they're literally, I think, working with intelligence agencies in such a cohesive way that there's no separating them from the state and private entities. There's, it's nothing different for me from my Ooh, perspective. This is my new buddy for dinner on Wednesday nights. <laughs> <laughs> Chili dogs. cheese dogs. Let me ask you this: uh, as uh, you're, we're, it's campaign season, I mean, yeah. some, some people have been campaigning. Nonstop. There's never. I feel like that's all we do is campaign. That's it's really so ridiculous. But, but they've just so taken silly. away. Twitter is one of the biggest social platforms in the world. Yeah. It is it, it 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 when when they say, "Oh, make your own Twitter." That's like saying you have there's one major football stadium of people where everyone talks, and they're going to tell you to go to a high school, you know, football field. That 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 is. Here, here, here's where I'm getting to. Do you have any plans? To go after Twitter for unfair election practices, or election interferences, or unfair practices as it pertains to giving your opponents access to this network and taking it away from you. Well, I'm going to say this um, because I'm still talking with my attorneys. Everything's on the table right now, so I don't have an exact. Um, I can't lay out my exact plan because obviously we, everyone's just coming back from the holidays. Um, but I'm still in discussions with my attorneys. I think I have a lot of options, and I think Twitter has a lot to worry about. Um, you know, and and here's why. I'm an elected member of Congress and no one elected Twitter and no one appointed them to be this god of information and misinformation. And so for like Dr. Malone, which is really shocking to me that he was uh, permanently banned. 
you know, I, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to get into the science of, of COVID vaccines. I, I don't think it's appropriate to get into that for me. Um, but Dr. Malone played a giant role uh, in the mRNA technology for these yeah. vaccines. I would think his voice is definitely more credible than Twitter's ability to judge if he's misinforming the public about it, COVID-19. It, 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 isn't there a bit of a contradiction? I mean, if, if you feel that the government can't solve this problem, is, you know, filing a lawsuit to challenge a private company's decision to remove you the right path? No, I definitely think I'm a big believer. So there's a difference. There's a just our justice system, right? So we're three branches of government. So you don't always want to rely on the lawmaking body. That's what I, I'm a member of Congress. That's the lawmaking body. Um, but the justice, the justice system, I, I believe in, and this is, I mean, this is one of the reasons why I have really gotten involved with the pretrial January 6th defendants, not in their cases, because I'm very much against the riot on January 6th, but I've been very concerned about how they've been treated pretrial because I believe in due process, but I believe in the ability to take a case to court, um, and to say, here's where I've been wronged. And to be able to defend, my, defend myself and and have necessary action taken. Oh wow, that's a, that's 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 a great distinction. Um, yeah, passing a law is very different from having a court uphold, say, a contract or a right. standard. Right, exactly. Uh, well, I suppose it'll be interesting to see what your your argument. I, I'm, you said you have options on the table. It'll be interesting to see what you you end up putting forward. There's um, uh, didn't Dr. Robert Malone say he was going to be suing as well? And, um, there's a lot of well, people suing. Yeah, it's not just Malone. It's also McCullough. It's also Robert Kennedy Jr. It's also a, a large uh, swap Bar- of Bar- other Bar- doctors that are getting yeah. hit, that are getting censored all over mm-hmm. the place, whether it's Instagram, whether it's YouTube, whether it's Twitter. Slowly but surely, they're boiling the frog here and trying to take away any kind of dissenting voices, creating more establishment echo chambers and creating a situation where even just looking in the wrong direction or, or burping in the wrong direction will get you kicked out of normal society. I think this is all done in collusion with the 2030 vision, the kind of social credit score. And these these individuals are working hand-in-hand with government. And I, and I think, I agree with you, the, the private kind of solution is needed there more than ever. But I think the world the word needs to get out there. But how can the word get, get out there when it's being censored and controlled on the information highways by the people who built it? So that's, that's such an interesting paradox that's very difficult. But this is why I may agree with you. I may disagree with you. It doesn't matter. Our voice still should be heard no matter what it is. And the fact that it's being censored is just atrocious. And the fact that it's being politicized in such a way, it's so obvious what they're doing right now. And I, I, and I think we better wake up or we're going to be boiling very soon. And I think the first bubbles have already popped up and, and uh, excuse oh, me, but I look, think you're one of the big bubbles that, that came up there. I you're making so. people realize how hot it, the water is. Yeah. They, they, they ban a sitting president. Huh. Mm-hmm. And Trump was, you know, it was the, it was the end of his first term. So people said, well, you know, it's the end of his first term. No, no, you're, Marjorie, you're in Congress right now. Yeah. Whether and people- I have poll, my polling numbers. We just did them a few weeks ago. They're unbelievable. I have so much support in my district. Um, I think it was like 54% said they would elect me no matter who ran against me. Wow. That's really high. But I you- had, I have like a 70, 71 or 72%. Um, support rating. There, hardly anyone elected has that type of support. The, so the, I'm not an outgoing member of Congress. I'm very much a supported member uh, of Congress. I mean, e- even in that capacity, I mean, you, there's still another year, basically, of you yes, in Congress course, doing work. Right. And you're, you're going to be affecting federal laws. The people of every, every state, of every city, every citizen of this country, they need to know what you think and why you think it. And Twitter decided to strip that away from you. That I think is, is, 
you want to talk about lawsuits, you want to talk about personal ethics or fairness, all of that aside, Twitter is is harming the United States by doing this. I think so, too. I, I see it as a complete attack on our government. It's it's an attack. It's not only attack on our government. It's an attack on over 700,000 people that live in Georgia's 14th district that I'm supposed to represent. This is Twitter is acting as an enemy, is a complete enemy did to you, our you, American system. Everything, everything the way it's set up. And again, I, it's corporate communism. I'll say it over and over and over again. This is not how private companies should act. Think about this. Any other private company that attacked a, a, a member of Congress? Let's say that I'm somewhere and someone comes up and puts their hand over my mouth. Do you think that something's not going to happen to them? Oh, believe yeah. me, they're going to have serious consequences to pay. Well, I had a, Twitter did that to me. Did you see the uh, – it, it's it, it gets brought up a lot because I guess it was you know people liked – they enjoyed it. When I was on Joe Rogan's podcast with Jack Dorsey. Yeah, it was great. I, there was one really important point. I think the most important point was when I mentioned to Jack, they have a policy on misgendering. That policy is a leftist worldview. Half the country disagrees with it. That right. is Twitter overtly saying we will allow left worldview and ban right worldview. This is going to rip. I, I told him this in 2018. It was 2018, I think. I said, if you keep doing this, this country is going to get ripped apart. And Absolutely. look, look where, look where we've got, where we've gone with, you know, people being shot in the streets with, with the uh, January 6th, with mm. just people in this country are ready, are, are ready to explode. Which is so sad because we really shouldn't be. Look, here's my thing. I'm a big believer there's only two genders and I don't mean to offend anybody. If some, some guy wants to run around in a dress and he wants to call himself a woman, that's his thing. But I'm not going to call him a woman because I think he's a man. And I don't think you should be kicked off of Twitter just because you think there's only two genders and you're kind of going along with uh, what the chromosomes say uh, with gender and sex. But no, you're right. It, you can't just force one worldview or, or one type of culture or, or anything. That's like saying, oh, you're only allowed to be on this platform if you're a Christian. Well, can you imagine right. the outrage over that? This is exactly why I've, I've always had a problem with it. When we had a fellow on the show, I said the problem I take with critical race theory praxis in schools, like actually indoctrinating kids, is I would take issue with public schools teaching, uh, telling a kid to, you know, pray the Hail Mary five times or whatever. If a public school says we want you to do this religious practice, I'd be like, hey, you can go to, to your, you know, private religious practice for this. Critical race theory, this left worldview is a religion. It's very much so. So I take issue with any kind of indoctrination. We, I, my view is, let teach the kids, let them learn, let them develop and think for themselves. Teach them how to think critically. Mm -hmm. Teach them history. Teach them, teach them real history. Real history. Let them figure it out. Yep. You know, give them guidance. But instead, what we get are people who simultaneously claim that, it, it, you know what? I'll just be reiterating your point. For Twitter to say you have to agree with our worldview would be like if Twitter was a Christian company that made leftists agree with the teachings of the Bible or they'd be banned. Yeah. Absolutely. That is a thousand percent what it is. They, they believe this on, on what they have to say about climate. This is, this is what they enforce on, on how they, how, what you're allowed to say and what you're not allowed to say or, or what's accepted speech about gender. Um, it's what is accepted speech about, say BLM for in instance. What is accepted to talk about January 6th? Twitter literally right now has something set up for tomorrow for the anniversary of January 6th for violence that may be tweeted. So they're not, they're only allowing one view of January 6th and, and not maybe other stories or videos. I mean, think about that. What if people are wanting to post their videos? Yeah. 
and they're not going to allow it. I also believe there's an element of it that that is something that is snobby elites thinking that they could control what you could listen to. And I think that's one of the most patronizing. That's one of the lowest level kind of thinking individuals that you could have with this larger idea that you yourself don't have any discernment. You don't have any personal responsibility. You need to be told what you can and cannot listen to. That idea is absolutely absurd. It's criminal. And and, and the fact that individuals control what you could see, they, when they control the algorithms, they control people's perceptions. They control our views of the world. And when you control that, you could control almost everything. And that's why and the intelligence agencies have been so involved with big tech. And that's why I, I, I think there's even a bigger play here that, of course, is snobby, is very elitist, but it's essentially leading to the divide and conquer agenda and trying to control individuals by controlling thoughts. And that's well, crazy. I do, too. I yeah. actually I really agree with you. That's why the World Economic Forum is something that I'm that I'm concerned about. Um, that's another reason why it bothered me that. Dan Crenshaw, who's supposed to be a Republican, was, uh, I think he was involved in it in 2019. Um, so those, these are the things that concern me, and I'm not into globalism. I, I honestly, I, I love, uh, America as, as our own country and our own identity. Not that it has anything to do with race or religion or, or any of that stuff. I care about us as Americans. Um, but when you have those ideas, like these globalist ideas that are, that are preached and taught on the World Economic Forum, um, that really concerns me because they're very integrated in the people that run Twitter. Hey, yeah, let, me, let me pull this up real quick. We have this from CNBC Africa. Daniel Crenshaw, congressman from Texas, House of, Rep- House of Representatives, USA. They say he won a tight political race. And this is the World Economic Forum, young global leaders pushing boundaries and changing the world in 2019. Yep. This is This is interesting to me. I don't know exactly what this young global leaders thing means. But it does show that Daniel Crenshaw was named as, in some way, associated with the World Economic Forum, which, as most people are familiar with, has been a proponent of the Great Reset, a, right. res- a restructuring of global capitalism. And it's they're, they're the ones who put out the video that said, you will own nothing and you will be happy. So I'd, I'd be yeah. curious to know what this means, you know, about what... I it, find it, it was very uh, concerning. Yeah, it was an article that they actually got rid of. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard was also a member of this kind of think tank group. Uh, and one of their uh, chief technology experts, the tech, their technology pioneer of the World Economic Forum is Isabel S. Maxwell, Ghislaine Maxwell's sister. So there's a lot of people interconnected uh, with this. Some people call this this kind of larger octopus with tentacles all over kind of our modern society, especially when it comes to politics. But a lot of these organizations, of course, openly talk about what they want. And they've been talking about having people eat bugs, having people living in pods, having people promoting the metaverse, having no privacy, having no freedom, not owning anything and allegedly being happier than ever. These are their own protocols that they're pushing out there saying we need to limit people's travel. We need to control their aspects. We need to have a social credit score. It's all out there in their own well, documents. So we could we could so, read it and understand it. How, how do you understand it? Because well, well, that's let, my perspective. Let, let, me, let me just ask more specifically. Uh, would you support us living in pods and eating bugs oh my god no i don't want to live in a tiny house i can't (laughs) live in a tiny house or a pod no i'm much pickier than that i want to well, I want, so I want whatever kind of house I have. I want you to have what. I, if you want a pod, you can have a pod. I mean, there's kind of crazy things with this. Here's how I see this. So globalism to me really bothers me because here, let me give you guys a little story. So in my district in Georgia, um, we're we're a large textile industry. We that's that's a big thing that's in my district. And so there's a factory. And they they used to make, and they still can make it, but I'll explain why they don't make it as much. They have the blue indigo dye that makes blue jeans. 
okay, what is more American than blue jeans? I mean, America is, that is, if there's a brand, blue jeans is it. It's like rock and roll blue jeans. That, that was from an era some, some decades ago, but that's what we were known for. Well, this company can't compete. They can't sell their blue jeans that they make. You want to know why? Because of globalism, because of all of these these um, decades of failed policies that have come from our government, from Republicans and Democrats, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna attack one party. It's been both of them that have sold out American companies, and these American companies have had to had their goods made, their blue jeans made in other countries like India or say Mexico. But here's what's happened: there's a factory that that has made blue jeans for a long time. They can't sell their blue jeans in Walmart. And here's why this is important. This factory supports 80% of the tax base in this one county in my district. 80%. That's massive. They support the water system. They support the school system. They support the fire department on how much taxes they pay for the county. But the only store that they can really shop at is a big big box store, Walmart. You want to know why? In small towns in rural America all across the country... Small mom and pop businesses have been put out of business by big box stores like Walmart or Dollar Generals and different huge companies like this. Here's why it hurts. These people that work at this factory and this factory that makes its living on on producing, say, blue jeans, for example, they can't compete. They can't sell their blue jeans in Walmart but yet that's where all their employees and families have to shop and buy food. Why can't they? Is it, is it Walmart won't let them or is they, they can't compete price-wise? They can't compete price-wise. This is what breaks my heart. Okay, look, I, I will. it's not about politics to me. I care about people. I care so much about people and because I understand it. This is who I am. This is what I come from. I, we've worked hard all our life. That's who I am as a person. That's who my family was. When there's people in a, in a town... And they, they work their tail off all day long. They have kids. They have families. And they can't, they can't sell their own goods in the store because this store says, no, 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 you're $2 too high. Our, our person that we buy from over here in India, they're giving it to us for cheaper. You bring your price down $2, guys, Mr. American Factory will buy from you. So it's, but until then, sorry. It's the free trade stuff. When you reference these policies that have been happening, it's, it's, it is, it is, it, what it is, is it's the destruction of American, American, our American culture of who we are. It shreds the fabric apart. Here's what happens. Let me explain to you. Over the decades, when our factories and small town, I mean, we're talking about steel mills. We can spread it across every industry. Over the decades, when they have, these small towns have slowly crumbled because these factories, they cannot compete because of the, what's being produced in China or India or wherever. They can't compete. You know what that does? It affects people's personal lives. Here's why. People lose their jobs. What happens when dad loses his job? Dad is depressed. He becomes an alcoholic. What happens when dad is depressed and he's an alcoholic? Mom is frustrated. Mom and dad are fighting. Mom and dad get a divorce. What does that do to the kids when they're in elementary and elementary school and middle school? It's a, it shatters their lives. There has been there has been a destruction in so many different levels from us selling out our our own companies and not allow not having policies in place that support our companies and help our companies compete, but instead helping globalism. And this is why yeah. I can't stand the ideas uh, on the World Economic Forum. Trump Trump was trying to uh, you know the, the media talked about Trump's trade wars. He was trying to introduce tariffs. 
There was the famous line Michael Moore brought up where Trump said, if you make your car in China or Mexico, we're going to put a 30% tariff on it. No one will ever buy it again. Do you agree with Trump on that? Or do you see other solutions to this? I, 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 I view it the free trade as the issue. It's cheaper and you can just ship in the goods from India or Bangladesh or whatever, then we can't compete. But is there a different policy solution that you see? There's a lot of levels to this. So there's the EPA. The EPA has tons of regulations, especially if you're a company that uh, has to use chemicals when you produce your company, like the carpet industry or flooring industry. Those are in my district also. The EPA has tons of rules. So if you manufacture carpet, guess what? Here's the rules in California. So let's say I make carpet and I sell it to you. I am responsible for that carpet when you decide to rip it out of your house and throw it away. Mm-hmm. Well, like in 20 years? Yeah. And China doesn't Think have about to deal that. with China yeah. never has to deal with any of these kind of regulations. And I believe the American people had the rug pulled out in front of them when Rockefeller and Kissinger went to China and opened up China to the world in exchange for, of course, slave labor and getting rid of all the manufacturing jobs in the United yeah, States. So, so this why is, this is our own American leaders and government helping China? No, no. think about Afghanistan. We pulled out of Afghanistan. You know what? Nobody wanted to be in Afghanistan. We all wanted out of Afghanistan. We're sick and tired of the never-ending foreign wars. I think they're horrendous. We pull out of Afghanistan. What a debacle. It was such a failure in every way. The one thing I was screaming about was rare earth minerals. Our government, you wouldn't believe the amount of money we invested in rare earth mineral mines. In Afghanistan, we built the infrastructure. American taxpayers paid for that. We pull out... And guess who is getting those mining rights? China. 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 You know what? You don't want to know what comes out of rare earth mineral mining, everyone? Hey, little microchips. Guess what else? Those really awesome electric vehicles that everybody, everybody wants a Tesla. Oh my God. They're so cool. Hard to get. Oh, the Tesla truck. I think it's. Fantastic. What is it, a cyber truck? Yeah. yeah. My husband cannot wait. He's oh, like totally on the I list. want them to convert their headlights, by the way, so that they can be movie projectors as well, so you can watch it. <laughs> they movie. should. Yeah, I mean, wow. Hit me up, Elon. Okay, but here's the thing. Million dollar now, he'll do I'm, it and he won't give you a cent. I'm not Keep gonna, it for yourself, I'm not brother. knocking Elon, Elon Musk. I'm not knocking anyone that, that, is, that is making these things. Here's my problem. In the Build Back Better plan and, and the Democrats' plan, they want us, all Americans, Mr. and Mrs. American and everybody, and you're not even driving yet, kids at home. They want by 2035 every single car in the United States to be an electric vehicle. Here's the trouble. China dominates the rare earth minerals. 85% of the world's, they have the rights to the world's rare earth mineral mining. Those rare earth minerals are what produce the battery that runs the electric vehicle. Guess where America is? We are less than 5%. We're like at 4%. Why would our American government force all of us to be dependent on China to drive a car? These are failing ideas. These these shouldn't be about you, Republican and Democrat. This is selling out Americans. Oh, yeah. The are Federal you, Reserve you, sold out America. And now it's a subsidiary of the Swiss Bank of International Settlements. And they're just using this government and priming you, our economy to death. Are you familiar with Thucydides' trap? Oh. It, it, it gets brought up on this show pretty uh, regularly. But it's a, it's a, it's it, what it means is... When a rising economic power is about to supplant the dominant power, typically war will break out. So throughout history, what uh, um, world leaders have tried to do is bribe the opposing power to just give up. So it's basically the way I see it is to avoid war, World War Three. you've got special interests just saying, let's sell out America to China, and then there's no war. We do these free trade agreements. We become dependent. The problem, yeah, the problem is the Chinese government's at war with its people. Maybe I'm stepping out no, of no, line no, no, no. saying that, but they're I'm like, not, 
I'm not saying it's a good thing they're doing. Half, it. I'm saying they think it, th- there are people who believe it is better to sell out the United States to China because they think it'll avoid a war. I think that's in, I think that's wrong. I think American people have have rights. I think we should protect the American worker. I think we should secure our borders. I think we should do a. a, a I, I agree with Trump on a lot of that stuff as it pertains to uh, these free trade agreements mm-hmm. and this idea, this nebulous idea that maybe there's war is no excuse for these billionaire elites to sell us out. I, I, my, my opinion is they're, they're using it as an excuse to just empower themselves. You see Elon Musk, everybody cheers for him, but we had Pasobic on yesterday yeah. saying, you know, he's, 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 he's opening up factories in, in China. In, in Xinjiang. Yeah. Of course in, he in is. This horrible he's place. Money. Yeah. So, exactly. the, I, but he, he's, uh, but think, does it make him a bad guy? He's using the system. Mm-hmm. So here I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a different argument. I'm not necessarily saying these people are, they're the evil, uh, overlords. They're using the system to make money. So do we declare someone evil because they're using the system to make money? I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to argue I'm not going to judge them if they're evil or not. What I am going to say is it's the system that is failing us. And President Trump, I, I God, I love that man. I talk to him every single week, sometimes several times a week. Um I enjoy going to visit him and he's absolutely hilarious. I wish the world could see him uh for who he is and not the the portrait or the guy that they've created him. They want everybody to think he is. He see, he was the start. Tim, he was the start. And so here's where it has to go. He couldn't fix it all in four years. He just couldn't. But he started things, and then we need to build on them and and maybe change the trajectory or make it better or build on top of it. I think this is going to take decades to fix because it's taken decades to tear down. I think we should always expect better from people. And just because someone's making money doesn't mean you should criticize them. But it doesn't mean that they can't be doing things that are better for the world, especially when they're reaching such huge levels. Uh, now, when Trump was in office, he also spent a lot of money. And I think financially, one of the things that really hurts this country is borrowing money that we don't have. Trump did this in a huge, huge level. Did, did you agree? with some of his spending policies because that's been no, a lot of criticism a that, that, that people need uh, you know, of him and, and I haven't seen much of it to be honest with you. Uh, you you'll hear it in conservative circles. So I'm a conservative. I, I'm, I'm a believer in you know, fiscal responsibility because as a business owner, that's what I've always had to do. If we weren't doing things right with our business, then we couldn't pay our bills and, and pay our employees. That's number one. You have to pay your employees. They're doing work. You have to pay your bills. That keeps the lights on. You have to pay your bills. That produces the materials, and you're able to serve your customer in the end. That's number one. If you aren't serving your customer, you don't get to continue being in business, and you don't deserve it. If you're too stupid to spend your money and waste it, you don't deserve to be in business, and you don't deserve your customer's loyalty. That's how I personally feel. I think the government should be run like a business. I I seriously do. I'm like, why do we spend all the money? Why don't we make a profit? What's wrong with sticking a bunch of money away? What would be more powerful than an American government that wasn't in debt by like $30 trillion, but we had a lovely little nest egg that we get to say, you know what? You mess with America. We're going to spend some of our savings and we're going to put you people in your place. So leave us alone. That's the kind of, that's what I think we should be doing instead of just continuing to dive in to uh, debt. I don't believe in borrowing money to the, make the, money. The, and, and it's not just that. It's the, it's the quantitative easing. It's the printing of money. It's the, the pumping of money into the into the monetary system, which just dilutes the savings of the working no class. no value. I, don't, I, I think that for too long, this country has just been run by the elites, the oligarchs, whatever yes. you want to call it. Plutocrats. Plutocrats. And, 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 and it's funny because, you know, uh, I, I got my start during Occupy Wall Street. Yeah, where where is the the mainstream left to be like, hey, let's put aside these petty squabbles and focus on the fact that there is a dominant establishment elite that is just extracting value from the working class and screwing over the little guy. Corporate communism. 
You know, the, the thing about it is, the, well, the left, they mock you for saying that, corporate communism. I know. They pick on me all the time. And they, but, but they don't know what I'm, they don't know what I'm talking about. And that's the big problem. I wonder why it is there, there are certain very prominent leftists that will, will t- argue with me on Twitter in agreement. It's the weirdest thing. Hmm. I'll say something like, Hey, you know, you know, Maxwell trial and these elites and this plane. And then they'll respond just arguing with me. And I'm like, you're arguing, but you agree. Why, why is it? Friendship. No, it, it, <laughs> I, look, that's why I do it. Friendship. <laughs> yeah. No, but, but they're, 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 it's tribalism. You know, it's they. Maybe I, it's I'll, like, yeah, tribalism. You have to argue with them. I I, I follow a bunch of these prominent leftists because I know that there is strong agreement in, on populist issues. Right. That the right and left have, uh, and I'll and they'll tweet something. I'll be like, yes, and I'll agree with it, and and then all of their fans will respond saying, screw you, f you, screw you, and I'm like, yeah. How, I don't know how you how do you how you get past that point. You know what I mean? You got to get away from text and get into video chat. That's. It's hard to, you know, you know the you're vibration right. of your voice. Isn't it different when you read something and you can read one person's text or one person's tweet and if you put an angry tone on it because you don't like them because they're your political enemy, then you automatically take it the wrong way. Whereas if if you read – most people, if they read my words, if they were hearing them the way I would speak them, they would hear it a lot differently. That's right. And especially when the media seeds a narrative about you, for instance, that makes you sound crazy, then people, they hear something in their head that – is just a misrepresentation of, of who you are. Of course. They, they make up in their mind who they think you are. Yep. And then all of a sudden, everything takes a different tone. Yeah. Well, let, let me ask you this. So, you can do that to anybody, too. Oh, my gosh. We, even my dad, I was getting texts, but I was getting so much text that I was just like, it's eh, just another text. I was like, it's my we, father. Come on. We, we've, <laughs> we've, real, dude. We've, we've had uh, um, several people who are running for office on this show, and we've tried to get several people who are currently in office. I think I could be wrong, but I think you're the first person who's actually currently sitting in political office who's come on the show. And, uh, you know, just the way we were, we were talking earlier uh, before the show started, it just, and, and we'll have that up as a special episode on the websites, the green room. We show the whole behind the scenes. You, you seem like a regular person. And so uh, with that, tell us about what your experience has been like entering Congress. Because um, I got to say, a lot of people probably have this this vision where, like, you go in, and, you know, it's your first term and you create a bill and then everyone stamps it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were telling us about how they just, like, do voice votes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I want everyone to know this. And if you hate me, you still need to know this. Okay. So when I got kicked off committees, I was like, all right, I'm brand new here. I want to learn how this place works. Um, and, and here's what else you need to understand. If you're the minority party... Nobody has, no one in the minority party has control on committees. The majority party has control on committees. So if Democrats are in control, they're controlling the committees and they control what bills are actually voted on. Republicans have no choice. We can't put a bill to the floor unless we have 218 signatures to pull it out and we don't have 218. So being in the minority, committees are pointless for us. So I got kicked off committees and I was like, okay, big deal. So I go sit on the house floor just sitting there watching what's happening because again I've never been elected I've never held office I didn't even go to the local GOP meetings because I thought they were silly and stupid until now you mean until now yeah and then I go but here's here's what happens so they were debating a bill back and forth and they're debating it back and forth and there was someone sitting in Nancy Pelosi's seat the speaker's chair was not Nancy Pelosi I don't know who it was because they had a mask on and everybody wears masks and I was like okay I don't know who that is it was actually a man so they're debating back and forth. And then the guy up there holding the gavel in the speaker's chair calls for the vote by voice. So the Democrats, there was about five of them on their side. And we, there was about five Republicans on our side. 
the Democrats, it's their bill. So they're like, yay. And they're saying, yay. They want to vote for it. The Republicans on our side, they're used to getting defeated at this point because we're into February. And they are saying, they go, nay, without enthusiasm. And then all of a sudden, the guy up there, Speaker Mask Face, he gavels it in. The bill has passed. And I was like, I'm sitting here holding my voting card in my hand. And I'm like, I didn't vote. And I was so confused. So I call one of the Republican floor staffers and I'm like, what just happened? And he goes, ma'am, that's, that's how we pass bills. The the bill just passed. (laughs) And I was like, I said, what are you talking about? There's 435 members of Congress. There's like 10 people that said yay and nay. I didn't even vote. I didn't say anything. There's a machine. So here's what we have. On, on every other row, there's a little machine. It looks like a credit card machine. And I have a, an ID card. It looks like a driver's license. As a member of Congress, you put it in there, and there's three buttons you can push. You can push green for yes, red for no, and then there's a yellow one that's for present. I don't know why you need present, but whatever. So I didn't get to vote. No one else voted. It was not recorded. So here's what I found out. Most of the bills in Congress are passed with a voice vote, meaning millions and millions and billions of American taxpayer dollars are passed that way. Remember when they, they had like that little ra- the wagon they carried the 5,000 pages in on? Do you remember that? What, what, oh, what was Lord that? What was that, that bill? No one read the that, omnibus. Yeah, yeah, the, the omnibus. omnibus. No one I was could so have read mad it. about that. Ian went off. He Offensive. was saying they should go to prison. Yes. Yeah, that should be. I mean, what? Come on. Oh. We elect someone to read the bills and to decide if they're good or not. That's their job. Oh my goodness, you! I I agree with you. We should read the bills because I can tell you there's horrible things in them. Isn't yeah. it crazy that you're like saying twenty five million dollars yeah. for butterflies? I love <laughs> butterflies, but do I want to spend? Tw- what about twenty five million dollars for desert fish? Well, what yeah. about desert ten, fish? Ten million dollars for Pakistani gender studies programs. Oh, so important. Yeah. Pakistanis yeah. don't know what gender they are. How many genders do Pakistanis have? Well, Why are American taxpayers paying for And speedboats for Sri Lanka. I remember that one too, off the top of my head. But th- I don't, I don't believe, I don't believe in many laws. But I definitely uh, believe in the law that uh, congressmen and women should read the bill before they vote on it. I also believe in term limits and on mandatory drug testing of members of Congress. Where do you stand on those? All those three issues. Okay, wait, I gotta tell you one more no, thing. No, no, hold, hold on, hold on. Libertarian Luke? The, uh, as long as the government uh, creates laws to govern itself, fine. Otherwise, stay out of my business. I think people should be allowed to do uh, psychedelics? Yeah, drugs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but, but a lot of the, you know, the, the, I get your the, point, the though, representatives I get your point. are. Not at um, work though, cause yeah. then believe me, they're not reading the bills. Yeah, like <laughs> a long Trust weekend. me, if you would <laughs> find out what the politicians are really up to, especially when they're flying on those airplanes and hanging on those islands and hanging out with Mr. <laughs> Epstein, you would want to know exactly what they're doing and I would want men Mandatory drug testing for all of them because uh, there's some, no, there's some the, funny business to say the least. That, that is so you good. don't want somebody on drugs making a chili cheese dog. <laughs> Whatever, I don't care about that. Let <laughs> them let them have more drugs if they're making my chili cheese dog. I don't. I, they're that, probably going to make it better. That uh, is a good point though. If uh, the government laws on the government actors themselves, they have to be yeah. uh, they have to be enforced by themselves too. So if there's regulations and restrictions on small business, they have to abide by those same laws in their private lives. So I think that would be absolutely fair and would lead to people, of course, not passing more more bull crap. So so three issues: mandatory drug testing, turn limits, and making sure that people read every uh, word of the bill that they pass. What do you think, where, where do you think do you of think? Uh, about yeah. those three really quickly? All right, I definitely don't think anyone should be on drugs or drinking when they're at work. I just, I'm, I, as an employer, I would be very upset if my employees were drinking or on drugs it's at work. It's dangerous. But just and government so, employees. Well, of just course. You want to know government why? Just guys. Yeah. So I'm employed by my district. And so, I, my goodness, 
what a horrible person I would be if I was at work on drugs or drinking. Um, they would fire me. They should fire me. That's what I, that's how I view that. Um, what was your other one? Mandatory term limits. May, okay. So you know who the problem is? Who? The staff. Mm-hmm. The exactly. staff never leaves. Yep. Guess what? So, so I'm going to go into this a little bit. When I became a member of Congress, I was given, so here's how it works, you guys. Every member of Congress is allotted a certain amount of money per year. So for my district, my allotment is $1.4 million. With $1.4 million, I have to hire my staff. I have to pay for district offices. It's like a mini business. Each member of Congress is like a mini business, and you have to stay within those bounds. If I spend more than that, guess what? I have to pay for it out of my campaign funds. So that's a big no-no, right? So $1.4 million, but here's the deal. So when I went to Washington and I had to hire staff, I'm like, who do I hire? Well, guess what? There's a whole bunch of people that there was the President Trump just left office. There's a bunch of people looking for jobs. The staff in Washington never leaves. That's the deep state. I, I would hire the homeless people in Washington, D.C. <laughs> if I was a congressman. Like, come off the streets. Don't even take a shower. Just come on in personally oh, myself. There's a guy named Rick, Rick for dictator. He rides around and, and yeah. But anyways. Vermin Supreme. Yes. <laughs> he would be my chief of staff. <laughs> So, no. so he's a he's a satirical candidate who wears a boot on his head. Oh, I haven't seen him. I went I yeah. went to a crazy okay. festival with him one year. He's wild, but really interesting and a great guy. So we talk about the administrative state being like the head of the FBI. J. Edgar Hoover, forty years at the head of the FBI, administrative state all the way, deep state, whatever. And so you're saying that the actual staff, congressional staff, is also part of that administrative state. Like they're just oh my gosh, yeah. And they'll go from working in a Democrat office to working in a Republican office. It's a job. So let me let me clarify. It's a job. Turn limits for everyone. Including the bureaucracy. Well, so here's some other things. So let's say every, um, I think the term, li- I, I signed the term limits pledge, by the way. But I don't want to term limit myself unless everyone else is term limited because guess what that is? Oh, yeah. That would be like leaving and then leaving all the bad people in there. So that doesn't make sense. Um, but if you, so here's something, 10,000 hour rule. Has any, has anyone ever heard of that 10,000 no. hours? So get good yeah. something. If you do something 10,000 hours, yeah, you become an, an expert. Master oh my gosh, you're an expert. Um, so if I played that guitar behind you for 10,000 hours, I'm, should be pretty good oh, at it. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I would hope so. Um, but anyways, so if you, if you're there for only six years or for, I think senators 12 years, you, by the time you become an expert, you leave. And so I don't really know that all the problems can be solved. I know this. I want the good people to stay in and fight and fix the problems. So the term limit, the term limit issue is really interesting. If you only term limit the members and of Congress and the senators, but you never term limit the staff and the changes there, then essentially you're not solving yeah. any problems. Yeah. That's why I say term limit uh, all of them. I think it's rotten to the core. And I think the more we have new people in there, the less government does. And that to me, a- any kind of expert in government, I don't like because they're doing more government stuff. But that's my oh, own personal yeah. opinion. And we could agree to disagree with there. Yeah, and like I think regime in, change. Yeah. And, yeah. And neocon wars that, of course, exactly. don't produce anything and destroy American uh, soldiers' lives, destroy our economy, and absolutely just fill the, the bankrolls for multinational corporations like Halliburton that are able to... To make too much money, Lockheed Martin, all of them are just absolutely controlling a lot of our policy that also just quite benefits them at the same time. It's crazy right. what's happening in Washington, no. D.C. Neocons. I say fire all of them yep. myself, but that's just my personal perspective and opinion. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm telling people uh, vote in the primaries. Oh, primaries are where it's at. That Get rid of all the neocons, the establishment. It's not the general. It, I mean, generals are important. The primaries are it. The primary is the place where um, if it's a Republican district, they really can pick a conservative. Versus a moderate. 
there, there's that opportunity in the primary. If it's a Democrat district, they can pick a progressive versus a more moderate Democrat. Primaries are the most important place to vote. Then you got to get them across the line in the general. Yeah. Primaries are everything. Um, but I want to talk about uh, roll calling votes. So yeah. back to that story, you guys. When I found out that they could pass bills by voice, I also learned floor procedure. So there, it's like it's like games, right? There's rules on each of us what we can do. So the next time the bill came up and they were debating the bill back and forth and I was really paying attention this time and I had my lovely little book in my lap that I had the rules. They, the speaker up there, speaker mask face is what I call him because I didn't know who it was. He, he asked for the vote, the voice vote. And this time, so the Democrats are like, yay. And the Republicans over here, nay, because they're used to losing. And right as Speaker Maskface is about to say, to gavel it in, announce the bill has passed. The rule is, as a member of Congress, and any of us can do it, you have to get to the microphone right then, and you have to say, Madam Speaker, I asked for the recorded vote. And I did call him Madam Speaker because gender doesn't count, uh, according to our rules. <laughs> Sorry, anyone. But I did say that. I said, Madam Speaker, I asked for the recorded vote. So here's what happened. It was like uh, just a complete change. When I ask for that, that means at that moment, they have to call all 435 members of Congress, no matter where they are, to come yes. down and vote on that bill. And everyone is on record. That means you can look up how your member, your representative voted. You can look up your member, your representative. You can look up your member. People can look me up and go, did she vote for that or did she vote no for that? What did, what did they do? What did, what did AOC vote? What did uh, Dan Crenshaw vote? What did... Eric Swalwell, what did Fang Fang tell Eric Swalwell to vote? You know, they can do all this stuff. So here's the, here's the deal. Recorded votes are so important. So I committed myself to that and I kept on asking for recorded votes and I kept on asking for recorded votes and I pissed everybody off. I'm talking about royally. Good. Here's what happened. So every time they got called, they got called out of their, uh, uh, committee meeting. They got called out of their lunch with lobbyists. They got called out of their fundraising calls that they were sitting there begging for money. They had to wake Jerry Nadler up from his nap. I mean, it was unbelievable. Everybody had to come in and vote. What else did it do? It messed up the schedule. Nancy was very upset because they had a whole schedule. They were, bills were flying through. And all of a sudden, they weren't flying through anymore. Cori Bush's bill. I defeated her bill. It was really important. Her bill actually passed by voice until I asked for the recorded votes. Which Which bill was it? It would have allowed felons in prison to vote. Oh, wow. That's what her bill did. Yeah. So it won by the voice, but then when you double-checked it, they were like, oh, we made a mistake. It, she no. Didn't. When I asked for the recorded votes, even Democrats voted against her. Wow. We had 318, I believe it was 318, no votes on Cori Bush's bill to allow felons in prison to vote. Wow. So when people say Marjorie Taylor Greene has not been effective in Congress, I'm going to tell you something right now. I've got stories for days. I I will argue I've been one of the most effective members of Congress because I have put and led the effort to put the entire United States Congress on record so that Democrats can look up their representative and say, how did my Democrat that I voted for vote? Republicans, how did my Republican representative vote? I think this is extremely important for everyone across the country to know the job performance of their representative. The establishment can't be happy with you. No. Oh, no. I got in trouble with Republicans, too. As a matter of fact, I got chewed out. I mean, chewed out. You want to know why? Marjorie, people don't want to be on record. Huh. No, no. 
Meaning they don't want their constituents to know how they voted. Mm-hmm. I want that person on record saying that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's dirty. Can you say who it was? I don't, I'm not forcing you to, but. Virginia Fox. Dangerous. That, that's it was Virginia Fox. We should, mm-hmm. we, wow. All that should be on record. I mean, I, I've gotten record. to the point where I tell it all. You want to know why? Because I think it's important. Because the way they have treated me, no one defended me. No one defended me. This is, I, you saw me get kicked off committees. Then there were 11 Republicans that voted with Democrats to kick me off committees because of things they didn't like that I said on Facebook years before I ever ran for Congress or became a member of Congress. It didn't matter what I was when I walked in and swore in or who I was. Didn't matter my great life record, my career, the fact that I've never been arrested, I've never done drugs, that I've raised three amazing children. None of that mattered to them. It was, we don't like a few things on Facebook, what maybe she liked or this she possibly said or or anything. They kicked me off for that. And then no one defended me. Yep. No one defended me and no and one and helped that, me. That, that really, really pissed me off because Ilhan Omar, of course, you know, has said things that have been condemned across the board and they defend her. Mm-hmm. And, and when, when I, refer, I refer to what she says as crop dusting anti-Semitism, meaning like the plane gets real close to the ground. Oh, she wasn't yeah. overtly saying it, but it she lands kept, sometimes it does. She kept saying things that were getting a lot of people to say like, Hey, like when you say it one time, we're kind of like, maybe there's a mistake. Maybe you don't understand. But when you do it over and over again, mm-hmm. now, regardless of whether anyone's really offended, what bothers me is the Democrats would condemn you, but defend her. There's no principle. It's just, it's just political. It's, it's political war. Yeah, it's political war. Whatever they can do to hurt you and defend their side. When you were saying that the majority uh, gets the the uh, committees, basically, mm-hmm. is that like because if there's a majority of Democrats, minority Republicans, they go to every committee and put that ratio on every committee? So there are ratios, and that's a great question. So it's a majority-controlled body. That's what how Congress works. And so whoever the majority party is, and right now it's the Democrats, they get to control each committee, meaning that the Democrat chair, the chairman of each committee will be a Democrat. And that chairman of each committee, say chairman of judiciary, which is Jerry Nadler, he will control which um, investigations they do. He gets to control which bills judiciary committee, which bills come out of judiciary and, and which bills go to the floor that we all vote on. And so a majority controlled Congress means that the Democrats or Republicans, whoever's the majority controls un- all the committees. Kind of like and a uniparty. Yeah. Like a, like a, like they just say, well, this, we have it now. This is our uniparty. But I, maybe if it was 60 40 and like the Republicans chaired 40% of the committees and the Democrats chaired the other 60, it that would, might yeah. not work. No. Because, and they've tried that before. I, it- no, how it works is no. Whoever is the majority controlling party, they control all the committees. Well, so not let's, even split them up. Let's talk about, uh, uh, the midterms are coming up. 2022, they're saying there's going to be a red tsunami. We've got, what now, 25 Democrats, I think we're at, have announced they're going to be yeah. retiring. Yep. What do you think is going to happen? I don't know, honestly. I, I don't know. If the, here, I'm going to tell you, here's why I don't know if there's going to be a red tsunami. I definitely think that the Republicans will win the majority. Um, all the indicators are there. Uh, Joe Biden's polling, his numbers are awful. Uh, people are very upset about the inflation, crime, the border. People are freaked out over things like um, uh, vaccine mandates, masking kids in school, the long shutdowns. Will there be more? The nonstop talk of the never-ending COVID-19. We had never-ending wars. Now we have never-ending COVID-19. Where is that going? Authoritarian control. These are issues people really care about. Other things people care about is election integrity. That issue has never gone away. It's still really important. People still talk about it. Um, people also care about the pretrial January 6th defendants. 
I will never defend the riot at the Capitol. I won't defend what those people did, but I will talk. I, I have been in that jail, pushed my way in there, produced a, a report for everyone to read because I thought, oh, my gosh, this is such a, a perverse uh, action to our justice system. It's terrible. But here's the deal. For the 2022 20, midterms, I'll, I'll tell you what. I did some polling uh, through town halls. Uh, I've done it twice. And on my town hall, uh, we called, uh, Republican voters. They, they general voters, primary voters. So that's who was on my call. And I asked them, how do you feel about, are you going to be voting in the 2022 elections? Uh, press one. If you feel your vote is safe and you feel good about Georgia's new election laws, press two. If, um, no, you don't feel good about the law, you don't think your vote is safe. Press three if you will not vote. And, and press four if you're unsure. Here's what really shook my confidence in what is going to happen in the 2022 midterms, uh, because it's been talked about, elections have been talked about so much. On both times, 4% the first time said they will not vote. The second time, 5% said they will not vote. Wow. Let me tell you why that's terrifying. Because in Georgia, here's in Georgia, in 2018, Stacey Abrams almost became governor. Mm-hmm. Brian Kemp barely won. And if you take 4% of his total votes that and they don't vote, Stacey Abrams would have won in 2018. So the reason why I say I don't know if it's going to be a tsunami or not, because I don't, I, I, I travel the country. I've been, I've been all over the country this past year because I wanted to get out and, and bring a message of positivity to people. I, those people I talk to are, are everywhere. I, I think there's that percentage existing, especially in states where they really feel like their votes were stolen. That percentage is everywhere, and I don't know how that's going to translate. Will those people change their mind by the time they get to the elections? Yeah. Well, a lot of Republicans, I'll be honest with you, are seen as kind of wishy-washy individuals who kind of sit on their hands as the Democrats kind of lead the way, and they kind of just sit there not opposing anything of it. There definitely does seem to be a fracture within the Republican Party. Uh, on one side, you have kind of the Ron Paul, freedom-oriented individuals, and on the other side, you, of course, have the Mitt Romneys who believe in you know big money, big power. Where do you see yourself on that kind of spectrum from, uh, you know, 100 being Ron Paul, zero being Mitt Romney? And is there a way to kind of heal this divide and give people confidence in the Republican Party since, of course, so many people feel let down by them? That is a great question. I'm nowhere near Mitt Romney. Uh, it is far away probably as possible. Um, and Ron Paul is 100. <laughs> so that's, 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 what, what you standards. Ron that's Paul, my standard. Ron, he's a pretty cool guy. The Rutkowski scale. Um, yeah. So here's what I think. I think there is really, there really is a civil war in the GOP. I think there's one also, uh, in the Democrat party. I'm, I think it exists. There, there is an equal fight in both of them. Here's where it is in the GOP. Okay. So the Liz Cheney brand, the Adam Kinzinger brand, I'm going to throw Dan Crenshaw in with them because that's who I think he is. Um, we're going to put Mitt Romney in there. Uh, we're going to put Mitch McConnell in there and I could go through the list, but that brand of the GOP is a very small percent of the voters. The, the wide base of voters are conservative. They're, they're definitely on my brand of politics. Um, they're definitely, uh, more freedom caucus, which is, I'm a member of the freedom caucus. Um, they're definitely the small government constitutionalist pro freedom, pro America voter. That's who the Republican base is. Now the big money donors, like I was talking about Paul Singer, 
over at Twitter, right, that doesn't like me and hates President Trump. I think he hates me, actually, too. Oddly enough, we're not no longer on Twitter. Um, those are those are the type of big donors there are for the GOP. So it's a little bit messy, right? Now, you have in the Democrat Party. So what at Bernie Sanders? I'm, I'm going to argue that Bernie Sanders, okay, we're on YouTube. I don't, don't freak out over election stuff. I think Bernie Sanders probably beat, beat Hillary Clinton, right? I mean, that's what's been talked about. You've got a lot of people love uh, the progressives. They love the the climate. I think it's like a climate religion. I, I know there's climate change. I, I don't argue there's not climate change. There always has been climate change throughout the history of the earth. I just don't think humans are causing it. But here's the thing. So the DNC, the Democrat Party, they have their brand, too. They fight back and forth, too. Their base is growing more and more to the progressive side. That's where their high volume of growth yeah. is. But just really quick, zero to 100 on the liberty scale. What's your number? I don't know. Zero to 100. Just tell them 100. Not, In the freedom, not, liberty, I personal I think it's a nebulous question. <laughs> I, 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 I want to know. I, I don't know. know. <laughs> I don't know what 99 means or 98 yes. or 97. Your interpretation, sure. obviously, it's, it's a loose one. I I think I'm prettier than Ron Paul, but yeah. I think so. it's not. It's not a pretty scale. It's a freedom scale. Freedom, you know, liberty, I'm, personal I'm responsibility. Definitely very pro freedom. Okay. Very very pro liberty. You know what? The the climate change stuff comes up so much, but I feel like as we produce carbon, we can recollect the carbon and turn it into stuff like graphene and reuse it as a material. It's like it's a valuable resource, and I want the conversation to go that direction as opposed to oh, we're afraid. We want to stop producing carbon. Like you're always going to be pumping carbon out there and reusing it. That's you know. I think there's so many people that that come and talk about carbon with sincerity, right? But then here's the elites, and I'm going to go back to the corporate communist. Uh, let's talk about carbon tax credits, and let's talk about how all that is is really buying forgiveness, right? So the the whole carbon discussion is going to boil down into government regulation. It's going to boil down into taxes because that's where the government solution is. It's not really so like carbon tax credits for instance, if I if I'm a big company and I produce a lot of carbon, I can buy a bunch of carbon tax credits and get forgiven for my carbon output. Not that I actually reduce my carbon or learn how to capture it or change it, but I'm actually buying forgiveness. So so you see the the solutions for people that really are, are into the climate change stuff or into the carbon things, the actual government solutions are really the opposite of what I think those people genuinely believe. You think that the government would end up building like large scale carbon recapture technologies or is that they just leave it to the private no, sector? No, I think they want to tax tax you. Okay. I think they want to tax businesses and they want to make you pay for your carbon output yeah. and and not really. I, Ian, you don't want to find out who the carbon is that they're trying to reduce. Mm. You don't want to find I, out. I, I think it's just selling us out to China. All of it. I do the, too. The heavier regulations make it easier for Chinese industry to sell to us the free trade, raising. Look, I, I, I don't want people in this country to be working on, on slave, you know, poverty wages, but this idea of raising the minimum wage at the same time, raising the corporate tax and at the same time allowing free trade for these companies, all you're doing is saying, we're going to increase the barriers for your company in America and decrease the barriers for your company operating out of China, which is just extracting more and more from this country. If we go down that path, there's going to be nothing for the working class. No, there's going to be nothing because the working class loses. President Xi is not, doesn't care about reducing his carbon yeah. output. He's actually increased it. You want yeah. to know why? Because he can't produce enough power with solar and, uh, wind. 
uh, unfortunately, that technology isn't there yet. It just it just isn't. So what did President Xi do this year? He increased his his coal production to increase electricity. Why? Because America is sending them more business because Joe Biden is all about globalism and, and he's pro China. This and, is a serious problem. And we have that uh, that nice young woman, Greta Thunberg, who yeah. complains about Europe and the United States and completely ignores, for the most part, India and China. So it, 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 that, to me, you're not solving the problem when you're blaming the one country that has paper straw. Well, not the one country, but we, I, was, I was at the airport in Texas, and the lady walks up to me with, a, with, a, with an iced tea and a paper straw, and she looks at me and she goes, I'm sorry. She, I'm not even getting yeah. like true story. Yeah, actually, God yeah. bless her, bless her heart for <laughs> saying I'm straw. sorry. Nobody likes a paper straw. Yeah. It dissolves, and you're like. But most it importantly, out. it's also a lot of the people who are creating the problems, a lot of billionaires that are creating the solution, which means more money kind of given to them, which is such a strange idea. It just absolutely doesn't make sense. Uh, but, but I also, well, I just they had, pay all the lobbyists. Of course. Yeah. And obviously they get favors and they get favorable policy. I had kind of one more question that I kind of had on my list that I wanted to ask you since we see the corporate media kind of label you as, as you know, crazy. Mm-hmm. What would you say is your craziest belief that Ooh. you personally believe in? My craziest belief? Yes. Um, let's see. So I like to do oddball questions and, <laughs> I, and I ask things that are not I don't know what others asked. would think my yeah. craziest belief. Um, gosh, that's tough. I would probably say that I really just don't believe it's people's fault that the climate changes. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, cl- the climate's been changing since the beginning of time. If you look at the ice ages, no, none of the people back in the ice ages paid a bunch of taxes to melt the ice. So it's absolutely ridiculous to say that government solutions, uh, uh, paying more taxes to try to figure out how to reduce carbon, what on paper really, not in reality, is going to do anything about climate change. The climate just changes. I mean, here's the, we live on a ball. <laughs> it is literally a ball that spins. And this spinning ball, Earth, rotates around a flaming ball, which is the sun. And at the same time, this is moving throughout our uh, galaxy, which is moving throughout the universe. I, I'm going to argue, yeah, with gravitational pull and all of that, of course our climate's going to change. Yeah. we um, There's evidence we're still in the Ice Age 12,800 years ago. At the end of the Younger Jurassic Comet hit Earth and melted the glaciers in the north, wiped out all the megafauna in North America, flattened the, what we have now, the plains, caused the Sahara, all that ocean sand got smushed up, annihilated Atlantis, reset humanity. But we're still in that ice age. It's just preemptively melted a bunch of it. And now it's we're, we're easing our way out of the ice age, which is why things have been getting warmer. But nobody paid taxes to make that happen. That we know of. We don't know what kind of technology they had if they had wireless electricity. I, I'm oh, open man. to it. Wait, though, maybe, maybe they had microchips show. and they maybe had digital they IDs. Tattoos, yeah. Something like that. So we're going to go to Super Chats, <laughs> but we are going to have a special members only, not so family friendly, you know, totally uncensored conversation. That'll be up at around 11 p.m. over at TimCast.com. So make sure you go to TimCast.com, sign up, become a member because you won't want to miss that. But uh, for now, we're going to read your Super Chats. So smash the like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. And we had one super chat just recently. Normally I go to the beginning, but I got to read this one because it exemplifies a point I was making before. We have Rockslide says, Marjorie, I've never actually heard from you. Just what people have said about you. Listening to you now, you sound very competent and grounded like a real person, not a fake politician. Respect. Oh, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. So this is, this, uh, um, we're talking to Steve Bannon about something similar. Yeah. Because after we had him on the show the second time, we had messages from people saying, I had only heard about him from mainstream media and I didn't actually know, you know, who he was or what he sounded like. 
And they were like, upon hearing him actually speak, you're like, oh, he's kind of like a normal guy and his views aren't that crazy at all. No, Steve is great. I love Steve Bannon. But but you're right. Perceptions are wrong and I think they go both ways. So it's good to talk about it. That's why I think it's, I want to highlight this because what they say about you is very different from what you say. Exactly. Yeah. Fake news or something like that. Fake news. Yeah. Fake news. <laughs> All right. We got a super chat. I can't read your name because YouTube blocks this, but it says MTG. And then it's the emoji with the heart eyes as USA, 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 and a thumbs up. <laughs> Love it. Woo. USA. Yeah. All right. Let's try and grab some super chats. Just some of these are uh, about. Did Marjorie, did you ever play uh, Magic the Gathering? I haven't, but I've, I've come, I've seen it in MTG. Yeah. Magic the Gathering. I don't even know what it is. Thanks for repping. It's an awesome card game. Oh, is it? Collectible card game. Oh man. They should have a card for me. You're right. So when, uh, my, my voice is a little raspy. You can can notice this morning I was like, I, I I didn't want to do my morning show because I was like, this is going to be an important show to have this conversation. So I said, I'd rather just rest. But people were trying to guess who we were going to have on because we didn't, we didn't announce or anything. And so we do have super chats where they're like, yes, I was right. It's Marjorie Taylor Greene. <laughs> Did they bet money on it? No, no, no money. Just they're posting comments. Uh, here's one. Clef the Misfit says, Congressman Green, please, please, please go on Michael Malice's podcast. You're welcome. So are you familiar with Michael Malice? We're, no, we're I huge, don't think so. We're huge fans of his. We're good friends. He is, I don't know how to describe Michael Chaos Malice. A writer. Chaos agent. He's, he's a, yeah. well, <laughs> the safest way to describe him is anarchist. he's a writer. Yes, he's an, he's yeah, an, an expert, on, he's expert like on North Korea and history. And yeah, uh, uh, yeah, he was born in Russia. Ukraine. 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 Yeah. Uh, so very anti-communist. Wow. Yeah. Cool. I should do it. Yeah. You should do, well, you should look into him. Yeah, yeah then, sure. You, you know, like anti-communist okay. anarchist. Yes. Anti-communist anarchist. anarchist. I think that's a good way of yeah, he wrote, describing yeah, it. Yeah. 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 But he's not like left anti for anything like that. Well, I'm all for conversation. Yes, yeah, he's, he's, he's really great, actually. Mm-hmm. He understands that you got to make people laugh if you're going to tell them the truth. Mm-hmm. He's really yeah. smart. All right. Cillium Huss says, Marjorie Taylor Greene makes me proud I'm from Georgia. Please raffle another AR. Protect our rights. Ooh, definitely. Oh, love that. Thank you. You raffled off an AR? Oh, yeah. Oh. Listen, listen. AR, AR-15, I think, is the best, uh, best weapon for women. I, I seriously do. It's easy to hold. It's easy to shoot. I know people think it's scary. It's not. It's actually a, such a great gun. Um, and I, I think it's the best uh, home defense weapon for women. That's the reason it's so popular. Yes. All right. Here's a little spicy one. Sort of, kind, of, kind of spicy one. CTK says, Marjorie, why do you think there are so many traitors in the Republican Party? Democrats stick together, but we have useless Romney, Murkowski, et cetera. Ooh, uh, I totally agree. I think here's our problem in the Republican Party. Um, it's that civil war that I was talking about. We don't have our identity. Uh, and then it, that that leads to failure, right? Um, that leads people to think that there's traitors. I, I think Mitch McConnell's a traitor to our party. I I totally agree. I don't know why that's so. I think it's the way it's set up. Um, the they never reward the conservatives, the fighters. They they don't reward people like me. Um, uh, people like uh, Jim Jordan, people like Matt Gates, Louis Gohmert, Paul Gosar. We're usually cast to the side. Um, it's always the more the moderates. It's the uniparty. The uniparty is real in Washington D.C. It's the the Republicans like John Katko that's really a Democrat, but for some reason he's a Republican. Um, and then they believe in the majority makers. I think the majority makers is such a failure. I'm one of those that I think that you give people something to vote for. If, if you are a strong fighting conservative, you're going to bring, we're going to bring more voters to vote Republican than we ever could because there's a lot of people sitting to the sideline going, 
you know, these people never do anything. They never accomplish anything. They never do what they're going to say. So why should I even bother voting for them? So I think it's my belief for the Republican Party is to actually do and say what we're what we're about, but do it and give people something to vote for. And I think the fact that we don't do that and we failed at that, that's why there's the uniparty. And that's why those are the ones that hold all the strong leadership. Positions. A couple of people. We got uh, Keith and Devin have both said that corporate communism is the dictionary definition of fascism. Mm. Basically, the the merger between corporation and state for lucrative ends. However, the reason I didn't bring that up, I normally bring that up, but the reason I didn't bring that up in, the, in how you how you phrased it is that fascism is also traditionalist. So when you say corporate communism, it is the lucrative merger of corporation and state, but they're progressive. Yeah, we could say that. Now, here's another. So words matter, right? Yeah. So the Democrats and the media have spent uh, arguably five years framing Republicans as fascists. So if I sit there and argue fascism, 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 it's going to be, no, you're a fascist. No, you're a fascist. And there's no understanding of what it actually means. That's why I call it corporate communism, because the perfect example is Joe Biden pushing the vaccine mandates through the corporations onto their employers. I mean, their employees. So if you're a company that has 100 or more employees, you are pushing the government's rule onto your employees. So that government rule is coming through the corporation. That's a classic example. And so it's the the merging uh, of that power structure there with the corporations and the government. All right. Medic says, Tim, ask Marjorie if she would support Shane Hazel for governor. Brian Kemp and Vernon Jones are just rhinos. Republicans won't save Georgia from Stacey Abrams and the Democrats look into the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus. Are you familiar with the Mises Caucus Libertarian Party? I, I'm not as familiar. I know who Shane Hazel is. Um, he was he ran as a Republican before, I believe, and then he ran as a Libertarian uh, for Senate, and now he's a Libertarian uh, for Governor. I think our our real problem is, is I think our Republican Party has failed Libertarians by ostracizing them and pushing them out. I, I really think. That people like Shane Hazel, where did he start? He started as a Republican. So that's why I urged uh, Republicans in Georgia that they need to listen to Shane Hazel and listen to libertarian views um, because that way they're, they're not ostracizing them and creating. What's going to happen, though, is this is going to be a, a real risk for Stacey Abrams to be governor of Georgia. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's see. Ernie Bayo says, wish we had more reps like MTG. My question is. Have you seen the comments by Ted Cruz calling the riot on January 6th a terror attack? If so, do you fear it'll cause more people to lose faith in the GOP? Not that I have any. Uh, yeah, I don't oftentimes don't have any myself. Um, I was very upset by those comments because no one has been charged with terrorism. Uh, and I, I'm not sure why Ted Cruz felt compelled to say that. Uh, I talked about it with Steve Bannon. We were both very upset about it. Um, it, it was it was the wrong thing for him to say. No one has been charged for terrorism. No one has been charged for insurrection. Um, it was a riot the same way there were Antifa and BLM rioters, and they were charged, and over 90% of their charges have been dropped. But yet none of these people's charges have been dropped, and then there's there's quite a few of them rotting in jail uh, they spent Christmas time in solitary confinement. Their their medical uh, they they're not getting medical treatment. It's it's unbelievable. They can't get they can't shave. They can't get haircuts. Uh, they can't get chapel in the D.C. jail. They can't get communion. Um, absolutely horrible what's happening to them. Uh, but no, Ted Cruz was extremely wrong when he when he called them terrorists. Are there are there video and uh, are interviews with these prisoners? 
No, we couldn't do that. Um, when I went in the jail, we we couldn't couldn't video or or interview. Um, I taught we talked to them. Uh, we talked to them a lot. That's that's where they told me about these things. They've also tried to file reports. Their attorneys do everything they can to get the information out. Their families do everything they can to get the information out. You know what the real problem is? It's because the January 6th rioters have been cast in such a horrible light as insurrectionists. No one will help them. I'm one of the few Republican members of Congress, one of the few members of Congress, period, that will actually care about what's happening to these people in jail. Um, it's it's terrible. People are scared to help them. People are scared to talk about them. But it's an extremely important issue to so many Americans because they look at that and go, this is a two-tier justice system. How can these people be treated one way and then other people that rioted for their cause be have their charges dropped and treated completely different? It, it's terrifying when you, we see our government doing that. All right. Laura Mora says, hey, Tim, MTG says she doesn't take lobbyist money. Ask her about her Pfizer stock. Oh, yes. I just found out recently when the media reported that I own Pfizer. So I signed an agreement with my financial advisor. He has full authority to to handle all of that because I wanted to make sure, hey, I don't want to be involved in this. So it gets reported that I own stock in Pfizer and Johnson & Johnson. So I call up my financial advisor i'm like is this true do i i own stock in pfizer well no the how they were reporting it was vaccine vaccine companies yeah <laughs> okay so if i'm first off i'm in the minority minority party and i'm not on committees i can assure everyone i am not privy to any kind of insider information and i have no control over it i'm also um against vaccine mandates i'm not vaccinated myself so if that was anything i'm not helping myself out um here's here's what's really interesting Pfizer makes many kind of drugs. Um, my dad passed away this year from cancer. Um, yes, I want him to have, I wanted him, I wanted him to be able to live. I wanted him to have medications for cancer. Um, another thing I can say is there's a lot of guys that suffer with low T and they love Viagra. Viagra also is made by Pfizer and it, you know, it helps heart conditions. It, it even has helped Alzheimer's because it increases mm-hmm. circulation. So owning stock in Pfizer, um, I've owned it since 2017 before I became a member of Congress. And I don't think that makes me a bad person. Johnson and Johnson, they make baby oil, baby powder. They make so many things. They're both American companies. And I think too, um, that when when a few a bunch of members of Congress were criticized for this, people should realize that often people sign this to somebody else. Yes. Like you assign someone to do it for you. Yes, I. And then so, but, but I, I don't like the idea that uh, members of Congress, like Nancy Pelosi's mm-hmm. stocks, you know, she. Now, She's if anybody got, wants to do her stock picks, I say follow that lady because she's made a lot of money over the years, oh, and yeah. I, it's incredible. I, I don't. I think all of that's wrong, though. I really do. But like, yeah, yeah, I don't know what I, I honestly have no idea what I own. I gave that full authority over to someone else. Right on. All right. Devin Ray says, love Ian and rarely agree with him. However, his statement, it should be a federal offense to sign a bill they haven't read was yes. the best thing ever. Yeah, I agree. I completely yes. agree. Yeah. When I, when the omnibus thing came in and they wheeled it in that cart, I was just like, dude, yeah. that, that is like taking a sledgehammer to what little, Little optimism I have left mm. in the withered husk of my of my yeah. Of politics. Yeah, and my my lovely staff over here has read pretty much all the bills. Um, they print them and they have to uh, do the hole punchers and put them in the giant binders. I mean, I, I can't even I don't even know how many binders we've oh, created no. with all the bills. 
it's hours and hours of reading and you can't even get through over 2,500 pages in the amount of time that we're supposed to That's the thing. It. It's insane to expect you to read that. Exactly. It's, it's not tenable. Like what, how many bills come through in a week? Like how many pages of bills come oh through? Oh my gosh. No one could, if, if we didn't sleep, we literally never slept, we still couldn't read it so all. So it's a, that's a malfunctioning system. It yes. Needs to be it is a failure. Congress is a failure. I say it over and over. It's a complete failure. The whole thing, top down, bottom up, it is a failure. It, it worked 200 years ago and now it's too big. Too, too few people oh, doing so too much. Oh, so many problems. We have too many government agencies that just keep on going and we keep on funding them even though they're, they don't do anything anymore. We, we pass bills that no one reads. No one reads them and people, then they find out later like, oh my gosh, I voted for that. Yeah, you dummy. You couldn't read it. We didn't read it, but we had to, you, vo- you, we voice voted it. Like why? It is every, I, I have been screaming from the rooftops. Being kicked off committees was the best thing that ever happened to me because I could find out how dysfunctional Congress is. And, and I try to tell everyone about it. I want every American to know how bad Congress is failing Americans. If the Republicans win back the House this year, would you support Donald Trump as Speaker? Ooh, I, you know what? I think it was Bannon who brought that up. (laughs) Matt Gates has also been pushing that one. I, I think it would be amazing, but I don't think that he would do it. But so I only support ideas that I think will actually happen until I hear, uh, uh, President Trump say that he would do it. Then that's when I'll make a decision on it. But, but that would be crazy. I think it'd be cool. Here's the important one, I think, for all of us here in the room. GOP Gamer says, would you be willing to push for the repealing of the 1934 National Firearms Act? Hmm. Oh, wow. That's impressive. Look, I am as pro Second Amendment as they come. I, I absolutely support everything for gun rights. So would you, would you, so, so are, are you familiar with the, like what, what the NFA does specifically? I don't, I don't mean to put yeah. you on the spot. It's just that there's like, there's a lot of nuance about that I'm not completely familiar with. I think I don't have all the details either. So it's hard it's, for me it's to ba- say. It's basically where some, like they, they banned mach- uh, fully automatic oh, machine yeah. guns. Oh, I like, think no, fully automatic machine guns are so cool. Why can't I, why can't <laughs> I own one? I should be able to own one. So, uh, I'm not, I, it's hard for me to get into the nitty gritty of exactly everything it does. I don't want to pretend to be a firearms expert, but silencers, uh, what, what, I think what they're it, like, great. I, they they damage your suppressors. Yes. Yeah, suppressors. They, you know, I care about my hearing. Yeah. So I'm completely in favor of repealing the NFA. And, uh, I think it was Michael Malice brought this up because we were such big fans. We reference him over and over mm-hmm. and over again. But he made he made this point that, you know, when Democrats get in Congress, they say we are going to force everyone to do this thing like universal health care. You've got Bernie Sanders saying abolish private health care and then just have, you know, a single government system. Oh, my gosh. The Republicans get in and say, no, wait, don't. But the Republicans, in my view, need to go in and say, instead of just saying no gun control, we're going to say repeal gun control. Yeah. See, that's the issue. So it's constantly creating new laws and passing them. That's the problem. What right. we need to do is we need to get rid of the old things. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I don't know why we – why do you – we continue to grow the government and grow the government and grow the government. It's just creating more bureaucracy when we get rid of the things that don't matter anymore. Like sunset clauses. On love. Sunset that, clauses. Would that per, make too much workload for people in Congress to constantly have to go over laws that are coming up for – Dispersal? Not enough. They need as much work as they can so they don't do nothing. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. We could outsource the workload to the American citizens. I have hardly had any time doing nothing, but (laughs) I know what you mean. No, I think sunset clauses are great. I I think – here's how I feel. I I believe the government serves the people. The taxpayers pay for everything. They pay for the buildings. They pay for my salary. They pay the light bill. 
I, I fully believe that everything that's done there should serve the people to the best of its ability. If that means we have to work harder and, and work at sunset clauses and then and say, okay, maybe we need to bring this back, whatever we need to do, I think it's important that we do it. So uh, Young asks, you mentioned that Blue Jeans company, and they want to know what the name is so they can support them. Oh, I wish, I wish that I, I, I'd rather not do that because anything I say, there's really nasty people on the left that will attack things that That's I promote. A good point. And yeah. I, uh, I think it's terrible. So things that I love and value and cherish, I don't, I don't want to talk about and say the name. Mm. All right. This one, we'll, we'll get a little spicy. Raymond G. Stanley Jr. says, Miss Marjorie, thank you for coming. You look fit. Do you actively advocate for the health of our youth, which will help them succeed? Too many fatties. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> I I am a huge supporter for health. I think that it's so important. I I've been an athlete my entire life. Um I've always competed. I I did a lot of running races, cycling races, triathlons. Then I got into some crazy cult fitness thing called CrossFit. Oh yeah. Um even opened a CrossFit gym, competed on a world level uh in 2015. I was 47th in the world uh in my division in CrossFit. Um I I absolutely love it. I loved weightlifting. I started a CrossFit kids program at my gym. Um my kids have always played sports. I I think that Fitness is important no matter what level you are. I think it's important to exercise and find something you love to do. Healthy eating is extremely important, but I will give a major plug for chocolate chip cookies and ice cream because oh. I love them. There are, there are uh, just uh, several more Super Chats asking you to look into repealing or or uh, taking action against the National Firearms Act. Yeah. So I, 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 it's gotten popular. Everybody wants a cool automatic machine gun. Well, yeah. So this I, – I think – I, I I was reading the history of it and I was surprised it passed in the first place because basically back in the old gangster days, they had the Tommy gun. And so the federal government was like, let's just, we can't ban guns, but we can put a tax on it, make it really hard for people to buy. Yeah, they want to tax every, so I have a ban the ATF bill. I don't know if people know Wait, you want to abolish the ATF? Yes. I I like that idea. That's a great idea. Actually, it is called abolish abolish the ATF. You know, it's like, why are we, why are we, uh, you know, taxing tobacco it's like what's the point so you know the atf is is completely pointless in my mind we have other government agencies that do the work that that is valuable that the atf does but so why why do we have you know a double double agencies again that's just waste government waste um so yes we need to completely abolish the atf uh, and i i wrote a bill to do that absolutely wow well, take a look at the NFA because I think once you dig into it and look at it, you'll probably end up coming out and being like, yeah, we're going to get rid of that. Probably. I'm very, very anti-regulation. Uh, so so right now, if you want to go to a gun shop and buy a suppressor, for instance, which makes the weapon safer in a lot of ways for everybody, like you said, mm-hmm. it protects your hearing. Yep. And especially if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're engaging in defense of your home, it, it, it could take you up to a year. Which is awful. It, it's I, I mean, I think that's criminal of the government to do that to people. I think hearing is extremely important. These are these are laws passed by people that don't know anything about exactly. guns. They they don't they've never used them and they want to call them weapons of war. Um and they want to make them into Hollywood killing machines. I think suppressors are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not just that it's um uh short barreled rifles, like yeah. sort of like certain lengths that I it's, think it's, it's like leave me alone with my length of my gun. Yeah. I'm I'm barely five foot three. I, I don't think see anything wrong with a short barreled We'll take a look at the NFA. All right. So uh, Emo says, will Marjorie Taylor Greene read Anatomy of the State by Murray Rothbard? It's a good book. Marjorie Taylor Greene has never heard of that book. Oh, my. <laughs> these are the, these are the libertarians book. and the anarchists oh, okay. wanting you to read their, you know, their, their stuff. Okay. 
It's a great book. But it is, it is good. It is good. It is good. What's I'm the, what's the My 10 second like summary? My dog buddy over here. He likes it. Well, I think, I think no li- government. I, I think no, it's fairly obvious to a lot of people that, in a lot of ways, libertarians and conservatives overlap on a lot of issues. So. Oh, I yeah. think it's great to, to understand all the different ideas. I'm not opposed at all. Ooh, some, a lot of people are mad at Ted Cruz over calling January 6th a terror attack. Yep. I'm in agreement. It's not a terror attack. No one declared it that. No one's been charged with terrorism. Devin says, please ask Marjorie if she would talk to Trump about coming on the show. That would be amazing. Just shamelessly trying to get you to get Trump. (laughs) I think President Trump should come on your show. Well, we we actually we have talked because we've had um, several people on the show who know Trump very personally. And everyone kind of agrees they're like you'd have to bring the show to him and it would certainly not be a long form two hour thing except for me I don't agree it's gonna be fun (laughs) I think it would be a blast although I don't know if you'd still be on YouTube yeah yep yep (laughs) that's true that is true I mean I don't know if it was Trump I might just say we're this is a man ready to go well it's one of the most one of the most significant if not the most significant figure in our generation oh he's amazing well I tell you about President Trump is everything that you see um, of him he's the same person uh, behind closed doors he's just very much a real guy Uh, why he's uh, he's always been so appealing to me is because I own a construction company and that's what he did he's a regular guy he talks like regular men Um, you know I I support him and, and supported him before I always did not because I was looking for some perfect politician I was looking for a real person and that's what's appealing and that's who President Trump is yeah all right, Raymond again. He asks, Marjorie, thank you for coming. Can we stop our military from becoming woke weak? Huh. Opinion on what's needed for our military to be strong. Uh, we are going to have to win in 22. We're going to have to win in 24 and make some serious changes. No, I think what's happening to the military is devastating. Uh, when you've got, pre- uh, you know, Putin of Russia uh, talking about masculinity and making that really important, talking about gender being male and female and rejecting all these uh, woke ideas. Uh, but we've got the American military. Uh, we're paying for transgender surgeries. I mean, how does that even make sense? Uh, forcing vaccine mandates and no, and not allowing any religious exemptions, uh, which is forcing out people uh, that we really need in the military. So the woke problem in the military is not going to end, unfortunately, anytime soon. And um, the military should be really just for the defense of our country. But unfortunately, it's been politicized. Extremely weak command at the moment. Biden surrendered in Afghanistan. That's a surrender. That's a that's not a a withdrawal. It's not a white peace. He surrendered. We lost the war. We were winning it. And in a moment, he took out air support and surrendered. This I don't think we were winning. We would we were dominating that country while our military was there. It was just costing us, you know, a psychosis, basically. But he, well, and he demoralized them. He demoralized them. He pulled them out in such a uh, failure. And so I, I, it's tragedy, really, because think about the how that made them feel on the inside, the veteran suicide rate. What will that yeah. be in the future because of how they were demoralized? Yeah. And the intelligence agencies were using it as a way to kind of push heroin on the world, too. So there's the, that the in Afghanistan, yeah. The op- yeah. poppy fields. There's pictures of U.S. troops guarding poppy fields. Yeah. Well, and yeah. really, we... Built, remember the structure for the rare earth mineral mines and handed them over to China. And then that goes back to Hunter Biden's laptop. Uh, what's on that thing? There's a lot on there and they did business in China. Hunter still owns, you know, part of a company in China. Oh, like they were like, we'll give you China if you give us fill in the blank. 
or we'll give we'll you give Afghanistan you if you give us rare earth like- mineral mines, and then we're going to pass laws that force Americans to drive electric vehicles oh. so that they are automatically your customers. Clever. Annika says, I really didn't like Marjorie Taylor Greene because the media told me she was a kook. But after listening to her have this convo, I want to have a cheeseburger with her, too. I vote for her if I wasn't in California. Also, love you, Ian. Never change. Love you. Now, the, re- the reason I want to – I read that one and the one before is that I'm sick of the media lying about people. Yeah. And just like – Thank you. Look, and thank you to that person. That was really kind. And, that, and we, I would add a milkshake. Absolutely. Um, I think – I love I love it when people criticize other people. I love it when I get criticized when it's real criticism. What yeah, I can't, it's constructive. Yeah. Even fact, even but even if it is mean, uh-huh. even if someone's like this person is the worst member of Congress because she believes in this policy, it's like well she does believe in that policy and they don't like it. It's something called opponent processes. I was listening to Jordan Peterson talk about today. In nature, you have these things called opponent processes where if, if there's a motion you're trying to move stably, if you press against it, it's easier to stabilize and move hmm. at your own pace. But you need that. You know, that, that asserting yeah, that pressure. Challenge. And, and to have it banned off of social media is a big problem. We need oh, that. Yeah. I agree. I agree. You know how Twitter fails too? Oh. It's only like 240 characters. Yeah. yeah. Do you know how hard it is to say Very what you're hard. trying to yeah. say yeah. in 240 characters? Can't and then it. you can't edit. Yeah. And then I misspell things or mistype it or autocorrect and I can't fix it. And then I get made fun of because I misspelled something. And I'm like, take it. Do you guys ever get yeah. it where you land right on 240 characters? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I used to hit zero all the time. Is it, but then is that's it why I ended up with 20. It's really freeing to be on these other platforms where you can just yes. have a couple paragraphs. Yes. Yeah. Go to Getter. Go to yeah. Gab. Go to Telegram. Go, go away. Go. President Trump's new platform is coming soon, you guys. I've heard. I talked. Yes, we talked about that yesterday. It's really soon. Tony says, people told me she was crazy. This lady just said, abolish the ATF. I might be in love. (laughs) Hashtag ACAB. (laughs) Oh, my. You know know, know what ACAB means? All cops are, we'll say bad. All cops are bad. Bad people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the actual anarchists are going to be like, I'd vote for that. You know, abolishing the ATF for sure. Oh, but wait, oh, oh. no, the media told you people you're not supposed to like me. Mm-hmm. Remember? Mm-hmm. Yep. Hang on to that. Remember your programming. Yes, exactly. <laughs> wow, this is interesting. Uh, Timothy Williams says, uh, Marjorie, I thought you were crazy because of what I heard, and I watch a lot of Poole and Crowder and others, but very down to earth, and I agree with a lot. And that's, that's a lot of what we heard too, that, you know, they were like, watch any of our interviews, and it's like calm, straightforward, normal conversations, mm-hmm. but your opinions go against the establishment. So the things that make it out in the press are going to be the worst possible framing, the lies, the smears. I'm just like, look, you know, uh, I've talked about the things you wrote on Facebook in the past too. Yeah. And I've said basically what you said. If, if you didn't say it while you were in Congress, I don't know why it's relevant to Congress. And if you apologized for it, then we can all move on and have real conversations about policy. But it seems like they, you know, if they want to find a way to keep people from hearing you, that's the problem we have in this country. That's yeah. right. And, and, it is because I challenge, I challenge everything and everybody. I don't just sit there and go along with, oh, okay, my Republican conference says this, this is what we're going to do. And yes, yes, yes. I'm not like that. I will argue. I mean, I'm openly arguing with Dan Crenshaw right now and, and I'm openly calling out a mega donor, a Republican mega donor that's in control of Twitter. He was able to get Jack Dorsey out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's fair to say. Marjorie Taylor Greene is not there to go along and get along. I, but at the same time, I'm challenging Democrat ideas that I really disagree with that hurt our entire country, like this insanity of forcing us to depend on China to drive. What, what in the world are we doing? 
That is why they hate me. Consider, they hate me. Considering how much Americans disapprove of Congress, hearing that you fo- you were forcing the roll call votes and making them, all of them do their job. Yeah. I like that. I'm sure a lot of people were just laughing <laughs> at home. Oh, my gosh. Make them everybody was mad at me. That's what everybody <laughs> needs to know. Both parties were ticked off at Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah, it was. Yeah. But it's right. fun. We'll get uh, one more super chat in. Kate J says, Marjorie, what can we do to encourage more ordinary citizens to run for office? It seems conservatives are either too comfortable or are afraid of being drowned by the swamp. Oh, gosh. We should do a whole podcast. You want me to come back and do a podcast on that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I tell you all about campaigns and how it works. It is the hardest thing. It is so deep and difficult. Anybody that truly is conservative is going to get instantly rejected the minute they walk in the door. You want to know why? They hate you. They do. They hate you. They don't want you in there. And then the Democrat Party is going to be the same way because they want their candidates. So it's very hard to to get through. Um, it's it's too much to explain in just a short amount of time. I'm so sorry to well, that person, but I encourage. Gosh, I encourage people to run. Not necessarily you have to run for Congress or Senate. Local local politics is more important than yep. anybody understands. School board, city council, county commissioner. Yes, those, primaries. Oh my gosh, primaries. Go all in at a local level. Knock out a rhino. Knock out one of those creepy, corrupt politicians, whatever they are, and take control of your county or your city or your school because you're going to make a huge difference there. And then if you want to talk about Congress, that's a whole ball of wax. We are going to start recording the members-only segment. We have limited time. So I will just say right now, thanks for watching. Smash that like button, subscribe to the channel, and go to TimCast.com. The members-only video should be up around 11 or so p.m. You can follow the show, TimCast Diaryl, everywhere. You can follow me at TimCast basically everywhere. Do you want to shout out anything, Marjorie, before we go? Oh, um, if you want to support me, mtgforamerica.com. That's my website. I greatly appreciate your support. Um, like I said, I totally am supported by regular American small dollar contributions are the best. Uh, you can't follow me on Twitter. I'm on Getter. <laughs> I'm on Telegram. I know I'm on Gab. Look for the verified accounts. There's a ton of fake ones and they probably say crazy things that continue to make yeah. me look crazy. But thank you so much. And I, this has been awesome. Thanks for and coming. I'm, I'm really, so nice to meet you all. Y'all are the best. Absolutely. Abolish the ATF. And I have my own media organization <laughs> on youtube.com forward slash we are change. And I also have my own online safe space slash secret society on lukeuncensored.com. Hope to see some of you guys there. Thanks for having me. This was great. Abolish the ATF. <laughs> uh, hey, follow me at iancrossland.net. I love you. Thank you for coming. Marjorie, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Marjorie. And thank you guys all for tuning in. I had a blast. I was enchanted listening to you. I was very much in the same boat as a lot of our listeners. I didn't know much about you. So glad we had a chance to talk. Um, you guys are welcome to follow me on still on Twitter for now uh, at Sour Patch Lids. We will see you all over at TimCast.com in the member segment. So sign up today, support our work, and we'll see you all there. Bye, guys.